Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DestroProds.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Drummer today, we got Birdie. Only positive shit today. <laughs> and Nico. Yes. <laughs> positive. Positive. And yeah, so today we're going to be talking about a uh, comic that is in the title. Uh, but before that, Birdie has something you want to talk about. Yeah. So at the time of recording, uh, it's only a few days ago that was announced, sadly, that Jason David Frank, the actor who played Tommy Oliver, possibly the most famous Power Rangers actor in existence, uh, uh, passed away tragically at the age of 59. 49. Uh, it made me sad. Uh, was it only 49? Oh, crap. That makes it worse. Okay. Uh, yeah, 49. Um, this made me sad, but... By all accounts, everyone seemed to like him. That even people who hated him had nothing but good things to say about him when after he passed. And I just uh, kind of in honor of him, just wanted to promo. I think they finished. It. I'm pretty sure they finished it. Uh, a Kickstarter Power Rangers esque movie he was making alongside uh, Jason Font, the guy who played uh, the Red Ranger on Time Force, uh, called Legend of the White Dragon. So. Uh, I think the Kickstarter is already over with, but the movie is being made, and it's about to. And I think some point mid middle of next year, it's going to be distributed for DVD release. So, uh, if you can, when it becomes available, maybe check that out through the uh, purchase means. All righty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I, one little joke about it. I thought Dead might appreciate this. Uh, this must be a truly badass town in this movie because the mayor of said town is the actor who is everyone's favorite guy with a gun from Arrow. <laughs> Which one? There are like 90. Uh, his black friend. Ah, Diggle. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, guy who was a guy with a gun on multiple shows. <laughs> yeah. Guardian. The, oh, did oh he finally God. take that title? Okay. I think I think that was his title. I'm not a hundred percent. Towards the okay. end, I think, even though I stopped watching the show, yeah, he did get a name, but from what I understand, but yeah, that's oh god, I was just about to say, imagine being typecasted as a guy with a gun and oh, things. Spartan. <laughs> it was Spartan. There's plenty, there's plenty of those, Nico. Plenty of <laughs> actors get typecast as middling guys with a gun. Yeah. Actor's <laughs> name is David Ramsey. He played John Diggle, aka Spartan. I was thinking of their Jimmy Olsen became Guardian. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I knew he had some sort of a name, but yeah, that's... Uh, but yeah, no, I just wanted to say, uh, too, like, uh, I know we're not going to get into the whole thing, but yeah, that's... Obviously, it was sad to hear, and, uh, you know, it's it's nice to hear, though, I will say, at least all the people that have come forward and have uh, talked about their positive experiences, uh, fans uh, of his that have met him over the years, you know, it's it's always sad to see when someone goes and, uh, you know, them to get their flowers at that time, you know, at that point, like, kind of everybody kind of mentioning all the stories come up as a result, but it, it is nice to hear, though, because, you know, it's... Um, it's good that uh, people reminisce about about the good people that they've met in their lives as opposed to all the shitty people that are out there. So Yeah, it's it's always nice when one of your heroes is still a good person outside of the stuff you heroize them for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's enough of sad stuff. Let's talk about a comic book. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. with a with a title that I have no problem saying whatsoever. <laughs> Which is they, why neither, you haven't said it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> neither neither did they in the first in the first issue in particular, the first book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have a question about that. It. Yeah. Uh because it seems like it's both. Does the title of this book refer to the truck or to the guy? The guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the truck's yeah. called the Star. That's right. No, it's yep. called the Blank Star. I've. He he's he's the only one who calls it the Star because it's his. So I guess that, that would mean it is uh the full the full title would the 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 name of this chip would be him, right. not not the not the truck. Yeah. But he but he does have a name. Like yes. there is he, yeah. he has a name. No. In the we'll be referring Sigoy. to him by his name. Yeah, Sagoy, which. I'm trying not to just fall into the Japanese uh, trap because uh, Tsugoi. Yeah, it's Tsagoi, T S A, yeah. not Tsugoi. <laughs> yeah, Tsagoi, not Tsugoi. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so this book's called Gypsy. Okay, I was wondering which one of us was going to actually have to say it. <laughs> I'll fall in this fucking bullet. I got to put it in the title anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a comic called Gypsy. It's probably the last time I say it. Uh, it's a French comic uh, drawn by uh, Italian-Swiss artist Enrico Marini, who some of you in the West may know for his, may know for that one time he worked on a Batman comic. And written well, by... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, the only time DC ever pays good artists now is for Batman books, so... <laughs> yeah, it came out back in like 2017, 2018. Uh, and written... By, I'm going to butcher your first name and I apologize. Thierry Smolderin? Yeah. That Batman book, by the way, I just wanted to say is, is, is beautifully illustrated as well. Like he's got like, I think he did like a painted style in that, uh, like watercolors essentially. Um, you know, I can't say too much about the story, but you know, it's just like a Batman story, but the, it, check that out. If you guys do check this book out and like the, like dig the art in it, then uh, the Batman books worth owning as well. I, I, I have a copy of that one and yeah, yeah and the, the, the art's, the art's great. And the art in this book is really good. It's the best part about yeah. this book. Yeah. The uh-huh. story is nah. pretty all right. <laughs> I, <laughs> it starts pretty all right yeah there's it's, okay it's, it's definitely surface what, level yeah i'm Not curious what, dead sounds more like parts of it are flat out bad for him so i'm curious what part because mm. nothing in this was flat out bad for me it's just it was I very it. very uh very boilerplate yeah like it for me it is largely a disappointment thing given the first chunk of it because then it turns into something entirely different and i do not oh, like it compared no, to the first bit. So it, so i'm the opposite not, I'm, really? so I'm the opposite anymore you hate it uh what was that birdie so when it's not canadian anymore you hate it it's canadian in the first issue and that's it i it, it's it's interesting you say that because me i i felt like the opposite about it actually i feel that it got better the second half of the book than it was the first half for me like i so that's interesting that you you, you think the first bit was maybe better than the last bit didn't work well, for you. uh i'm curious about the production history of this because the back half of this sounds like a 
it the, the back half of this feels like a reaction to the first half, if that makes any sense. Right, like, it kind of is. Like, like I'm assuming the part that Dead Kids considers "quote unquote" the the first part is up to the end of the Russian campaign. Like, is that what you consider the first part? Yeah. Well, the the the, fir- the, the first end of the books. contiguous story. Yeah, the day of the uh, uh, the day of the tsar, tsar or whatever. Yeah, that's the last. That's that's the that's the end of that three part story. Like the, the like, and then after that, yeah, it kind of it goes other places. But I, I I think that there definitely is a tonal shift because like maybe it found more American audiences at that time because I feel like the second half is not I, as over sexualized. I feel like as the first half is, and and, and like what. Did you read it? Did you read it backwards? No, I it's still sexualized throughout. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like the first half is 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 like the only thing I can think of that Nico's reacting to is that there's no less sex in the second half than the first half. It's just the overall tone of the sex yes, is different. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's it's not like, hey, here so I am. I'm just gonna jump on your dick. Like there's so actual it's just like, the, well, there's a bit of that too, but <laughs> yeah. the, most of it is that. Like, what, yeah, there's still like, like, uh, should we just talk about the story and then get we're gonna into talk about the story? Because, okay, because like yeah. I have the best I can say about this is that we had a, in my opinion, way too long discussion about whether or not Winnipeg, Canada is like a wretched hive of scum and villainy because that's where the book starts. And uh, so it doesn't start in Winnipeg. And okay, uh, the the story in the present starts in Winnipeg. It starts with a flashback to their childhood. Yes. No, the story in the present also doesn't start in Winnipeg. The train is going to Winnipeg next. We'll get there. Okay, yeah. But, so yes, this book was originally published in 1992 uh, by Dargo uh, Publishing, a Franco-Belgian uh, publishing house. Before it was before it was eventually translated into multiple languages, uh, the earliest English translations uh, being in Heavy Metal Magazine in 1995. Which makes way too much sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, it got published into a couple of other... Uh, Got published by a couple other places. Um, the version that I believe we got our hands on is from Europe Comics. Insight. Um, Insight. Mine is from Insight Comics. Okay, yeah. mine's from Europe Comics. Oh, interesting. I think this book has been released multiple times in multiple editions. Yeah. Yeah, so the version I got, like I said, from well, Europe. Mine is a Insight. giant honking thing in a white case with a with a plastic slip cover that I could knock someone out with. Yeah, I got this. I got the same edition, Bertie. Mine are digital and entirely individual issues. Which is how I think it originally came out, and then they've recollected it. Yeah, nice this, this seems like uh, this is an anniversary type thing. This one. Like, this was released over the course of several years, it seems like. Yeah. With, okay. yeah so I think collected. I think Dead Man, I think, uh, Dead uh, read the original, I think, uh, releases of it, like individual books, while this one is a collection of all the books in one. So that's the difference, I think, there. Yeah, mine is uh, looking at it from 2015. Okay. Oh, it was all, it was, that was just an earlier collection of the edition. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, so there might be some, like, slight translation errors, different people translating different things. 
Well, yeah. Uh, apparently, they don't like the Enya. <laughs> Which I also felt was the case again in the in the second half was that the translations got, or the reading of it itself got uh, better. I think with the second round of three books as opposed to the first story yes but it also seems like they had like a a a a typist error in their publishing because whenever there was supposed to be an inya in a hispanic word it just edited it out so there are just weird blank spaces where there's supposed to be a letter okay in the one i read um for the most part it was fine then you get to issue four and the type font changes and anything that has an accent is just a lowercase letter yeah that i think that was also true in mine but anyway, yeah. let us get into it with issue one, which has a which has the official English titling in uh, Heavy Metal Magazine of The Wandering Star. So I'm going to call it that. Nice. But yeah, so uh, it starts out in the hippest bombed out Eastern European back of a fucking church. <laughs> As a little girl is being attacked by children from Akira. That's that's also the case, I feel like, with this uh, Marini's art is a lot of his character work or, like, the faces of his characters are really reminiscent of, of Otomo, the artist. Uh, Absolutely. Katsuhiro I was gonna, I was going to say, I was going to say, like, the like the main character, Tsugoi, once we get to him, like, grown up, he yeah. looks like the bastard love child of some weird yeah. abomination of fucking Kaneda and Rambo. Yeah. Well, he looks yeah. like Bean Bandit. <laughs> like straight up, he looks like uh, if either of you are familiar with Kenichi Sonata. Oh um, yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, he is straight up Bean Bandit. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely manga artist influences in his art stylings for sure, and like you could see it. Like and then like and then Birdie also had mentioned that his some of his stuff also reminded him of uh, Masamune, uh, the uh, the Ghost in the Shell artist Shiro Masamune. Uh, yeah, well, certainly right? his, so. a lot of his mechanical design reminds me a lot of Masamune. Like the weird dumpy looking tanks, the way too big and way too armored trucks. The yeah. uh the quote unquote transport balloons that look like they belong in a post apocalyptic hellscape. They look like inhalers. <laughs> like like they, they like they look like a couple like high de- like high tech inhalers that do the same thing as regular inhalers but are just way too expensive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So these kids they're attacking this fucking girl with a knife. Uh as our boy Sagoy Guess the knife just starts beating the piss out of these fucking kids. Kind of setting the tone very early as to what kind of guy Sagoy is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he's here to save the girl, uh, his little sister, Oblivia. Uh, giving her a wolf's head necklace and kind of setting up the main setting for the world where in this world, like up until a certain point, up until the beginning of the 21st century, things were relatively the same from the looks of it. And then they outlawed all air travel because planes are destroying the ozone. Mm. So instead they build the C3C, the a massive highway that encompasses the entire world. I like this as a concept. I, I, I do like this. It's a, a great it, concept. 
Yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel like it's probably been done other places, but, like, as a dystopian kind of setting for having it, like, like this, like, uh, and, and like, this whole interconnected, like, mega, like, highway, essentially, all around the world, yeah. like, that's really cool. I, I dig that a lot. Like, if it got used a bit really more, cool. I might like it a lot more. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't understand the politics of the C3C quite as much as I... It feels like, um... It feels like Cold War politics, kinda, because the they talk about the Eastern Europe branch, the American branch, and the, then there's like the the zones that are would be called quote unquote third world according to Cold War politics uh, lingo. But a lot of that is kind of confusing because, and I on the one hand I appreciate this as a writing trope on the other it confuses me historically where um it feels like the writer decided okay who am I okay um making fun of uh -huh. because uh and clearly it was the Germans yeah like he apparently this guy really hates the Germans <laughs> yeah yeah like like the the Russian stuff is very like what westerners think of Russian history the past century america is there but is actually far less in it than i was expecting uh-huh based on this narrative but yeah like the middle eastern countries made up the south american countries made up uh so yeah it's so weird like it's it sets itself in reality of taking place in like real places with real stuff and then in the back half it's just hey here's turdistan and parador well, well, the uh, well, I actually had looked this up because, like, obviously, the name of this book is more derogatory, uh, derogatory term of of you know people mm -hmm. moving around within Europe, but they are referring to like Romani people, and that apparently well, is, yeah. is 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 originally from northern India and lived throughout Europe, right? From what I understand, yeah. Because right? I actually I was looking this up, and and yeah, and then uh, with uh, that with that I, context. I if I can make an inappropriate joke, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, 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 they're the people that are actually the Aryan master race, if you believe what Hitler said. Uh, we're gonna move on now. Yep, I said I was being appropriate joke, but I'm moving on because I'm making fun of Nazis. Yeah, so the C3C. It's the thing. It's going to be big. And Segoy's like, hey, don't worry, kiddo. I'm going to make a shitload of money and send you to Switzerland and you'll be awesome. He then murders his head. He then murders the headmaster of the orphanage accidentally. <laughs> Which is, on the one hand, in the immediate term, bad for him. In the long term, doesn't matter much. Like I, it never comes up again. So <laughs> yeah, it literally I, only exists to give his sister amnesia. Yeah, I love that you explained it that, that way because it it is like literally just that, and then they just move on right away. Yeah, <laughs> just like, 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 yeah, like oh, headmaster okay. comes out, and is like, "You fucker, what are you doing here?" So he pulls out a gun, the headmaster's own gun. It goes off, and he's like, "Ah, shit! I didn't mean to do that." Anyway, bye bye. Yeah. All right. Well, my my uh, my plans to travel the trucking routes have uh, accelerated somewhat, but other than that, bye bye. <laughs> yep. As we then flash forward twelve years later. As they're pulling into Port Radium, a place in the Northwest Territories. Yeah, a lot of the Canadian politics stuff I was asking these two about, just for clarification. But uh, according to Dead, uh, when people talk about Canadian politics in Canada, they don't mention the territories. So it was a little uh, unfruitful. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of. 
all the way up there tucked away. We don't really think. <laughs> yeah, they're they're 70% of our land mass, but we don't talk about them. Yeah, you see, their problems are over there. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone knows that Toronto is the center of the universe, or we like to think so. Yeah, it's the capital of Canada, according to everyone else. Yeah, the the only people who uh, disagree with you about that are the Quebecois. Yeah, the Quebecois. <laughs> but anyway, uh, grown up Oblivia steps off the steps off the train, and we immediately cut to Sequoia getting the shit getting his shit rocked. Just in the middle of a fucking trucking circle, dudes surrounding him on all sides, beating, getting the piss kicked out of him by the Scotsman from Samurai Jack. It's about, although I think he's actually American. I think might be just might be just Canadian. I is yeah no no Selmer's American. Yeah, but yeah. So the, something about uh, American co- taking over Canadian companies. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Shit's weird. Yeah, it's this big old fucking fist fight, and we see I have a little trouble believing it because, according to We Stand Guard, if America ever invaded Canada, it would go badly for us. But eh, yeah, not right now. <laughs> Sign up for the military, military folks. <laughs> we need people. <laughs> we we need people. <laughs> anyway, too old. I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, so it's being surrounded by uh, people from Selmer, a shipping company, who just like, hey, we fucking hate you. You piece of shit. Yeah, and I can't tell if it's because he's Romani or just because he's a piece of shit. I think it's just because he's a piece of shit, but they use the Romani thing to just, you know, get digs in. They, they make connect to make connections between the fact that he's a piece of shit. It's like, oh, well, obviously he's a piece of shit. That kind of thing. Yeah, you know the racist thing. Yeah, and which we're trying to avoid. <laughs> yeah, and for me to say something shitty, Sagoy's not really doing anything to dissuade these ideas. No, and that's what that's what I was going to ask y'all about because I hadn't commented on it, even though we talked about the book prior. Uh, it gets better in the back half, but it feels like I can't tell if it's like intentional commentary that Sagoy as a character seems to like intentionally lean into stereotypes about his own his own heritage. Or if that's just what the writer thought, this is how, if I was going to do Bean Bandit, but he is a Romani person, this is what he would do. I don't know. It seems like... It seems like him being Romani is kind of incidental to everything. It's just kind of a bad look, given the characteristics he went with. Well, that and the fact that all of his catchphrases feel like, uh, is this a Romani thing? Because I was like... Oh, yeah, it's... it sounds. It sounds I, like fucking like. It sounds like fucking great Caesar's ghost, but replace Caesar with something Romani related. I I also I also felt that like this again, despite the 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 derogatory term like the name of this book and everything else, and him referring to himself as that as such, and other people referring to him as as such, especially in this this first uh, half or this first book, really mostly uh, in particular. Uh, I I also wasn't sure if like it had also something to do maybe the 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 name of it because of the fact that he's a truck driver on the road and like nomadic ways in that sense that like it was. Do you think it has anything to do with that as well? Like because I possibly, feel like but the book never c- 
comments on that. So yeah, it, it doesn't just, really. <laughs> yeah, the book doesn't have a whole lot to say about him being Romani. It seems like. Yeah, or like uh, another thing that's brought up in the back in the first half, but basically ignored in the back half is because she's completely westernized by the end of it. Is uh, Oblivious kind of um, kind of disdain for her heritage? Yeah, it's kind of disdain and kind of her not knowing it because she doesn't really. Yeah, but that but that's never commented on after the At start all. of the story. So. <laughs> and 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 there is a scene like in in like one of the later stories that where like she's had this whole other maybe somewhat more cultured life in comparison to him and he's trying to like schmooze it up at one point and, and seem sophisticated in front of one of her you know what I mean? Like the woman the publisher. that she's with. Yeah, yeah, yeah her the editor. Publisher, the one that he he's like a boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's what I mean. And, but that, and I, like I, a truly I, appropriate employee, uh, she's like, for fuck's sakes, bro, not my boss. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Fight goes in Sagoy's favor because, as we'll see throughout the rest of the series, Sagoy is... Because he wears red in a post-apocalypse, that means he's dangerous. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, he's less dangerous than um, the character I told you he's based on, Dead, uh, uh, Bean Bandit. Because Bean Bandit's whole thing is uh, his jacket is made out of Kevlar and, like, bulletproof armor from trucks. <laughs> so he's wearing, like, 40, uh, 40 pounds worth of body armor at all times. And it just happens that also... He's literally so good behind the wheel that he like kills a truck with a with a uh, Mustang. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, fight goes poor. Fight goes poorly for Selmer guys. He kills some dogs. His sister is there. Woo! His sister. She is fucking horrified. Yeah, because uh, this is another story thing that's like it's mostly abandoned once it gets started. Is she had she was apparently not aware that it was her that she thought her brother was apparently a this confused the shit a a European prince. Yeah, so I believe I believe that is because one of her earliest memories, like they would be very fuzzy and fucked and be of of Sagoy saying, Hey, I'm gonna send you to Switzerland to live like a princess. I guess, but that's like, again... That is a massive stretch on my part, because again, it is never expanded upon. Yeah, yeah, I know. They, like, when I said surface level and not too much depth at the start of this, it, I absolutely mean that in, in, in a lot of regards, because, like, there's not really a lot of context to things. Things aren't fleshed out. There's not really great character development throughout this. It's very, like... This is what it is. Like they're just leaving it on the page and not really getting into much. They're just keeping it moving throughout the whole book. It seems like this. Yeah, it just Which keeps kind of, fucking trucking. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So they get out of there, uh, escape the cops because the cops are after them. Because of course they were. You know, Canadian cops immediately crash into each other in the snow. Oh, Sorry about that. Oh, Dagum, and he got away there. Yeah, and they stop at a trucker bar and. It's a thing that I thing that I like I dig about the beginning of this story is how excuse me hard coded the coloring is in this world because at least in the first story because it is 
the majority of the story takes place in northern parts, Northwest Territories, Northern Pass, Siberia, Russia. Northern Germany. Northern which is only slightly better. <laughs> yeah. All very like blue tone and blue, like colored. And then all of the interior shots are all like bright orange and red colored. And it yeah, is like very, like- it's very, very simple color theory. Like this is the reason that movie posters for a while were just orange and teal, but it looks decent. And it actually, I feel like it adds a, it adds a visual layer to things that I enjoy. To, to your point, I agree with you because again, Going back to that thing of the first three compared to the, the last three, uh, yeah, the, the art's like kind of more muddier here. It seems like I mean, yeah, it's gritty, not a bad way. Yeah, exactly, because it's much brighter the palette, the color palette that they use in the second half stories compared to the first half. That is actually one thing I well, do it's think. Not is just, it's not just that the color palette's brighter; it's that the pencil work is far less rough compared That's, to it's cleaner later. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which and when we get later, I'll get into it. But which apparently Dead doesn't like that part. <laughs> Again, we'll get there. Yeah, so Trucker Bar, uh, we learn a bit about. Uh, we see that we see like some, like it seems like Segoy is is on two modes for most of his life, either violent or horny. With his sister, it's for yeah. like one fucking panel. Where we see like just like genuine emotion that isn't either of those, and it's nice. It's gone immediately because she's immediately like, "Yo, fuck you. We have no goddamn money. I was happy in Switzerland, you piece of shit." And then some nightmare creature tries to fuck her. See, I don't think that's the only time that happens because of it's one of the few. One of the few, the, one of the more important ones for me comes in a, the last part of the first half of the story, but we'll get there. Yeah. But yeah, as they're sitting there hanging out, um, they, uh, they're, uh, Zagoy mentions a contract, uh, to take a special cargo to Siberia, which we'll get into what that is in a second. But as they are, as they're kind of just sitting around doing nothing, uh, they notice a fucking fleet of Selmer trucks. Heading off to the pickup as the guy who owns the trucks up there in a little person in a very fancy suit. Uh, so Goy just kicks the chair to him and his bodyguard throws him out and then they hop on into their trucks and head on out just tearing through fucking traffic. Apparently this truck has fucking apparently this truck's US one. Well, it's US one, but also apparently um, icing is just not a problem really for trucks in northern climates in this post-apocalypse. Well, yeah, because they got they got to drive on the highway, and so if they don't have yeah. they don't have like amazing shit ass snow tires, then what's the fucking point? You need some serious but it's, but it's tread, never tread even, on those it's, bad boys. But it's never even mentioned, so it's just amusing. It's like how did none of these people spit out? Yeah, like it would be neat if this fucking like like Mack truck crossed with a tank was just doing like fucking like speed racer movie spin arounds. No tires, just balls. So they can move like three dimensionally like the fucking cars in iRobot. Or no, not iRobot, uh, Minority Report. Was it? One of those. Yeah. Two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and this is where we get her reveal of she has no memories before she was eight. Doesn't remember him, doesn't remember 
anything about her life beforehand. Just eight years old, it starts. And yeah, that, this, it's never addressed again. <laughs> yeah, and then we get our big old fucking shot of the C3C, which, hey, it's a highway, but bigger. Looks like 10 lanes across. I don't know. <laughs> we have such amazing commentary in these early issues. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like this book I have kind of hard time engaged. Like you said, it's, it's, it's perfectly all right. And there's parts I like, there's parts I don't like. And we're just kind of flowing through it because like... This is sort of the opposite of um, the last big comic we did, where there was so much in the under the surface. We were like, "Oh shit, we have to talk about that." Yeah. The, the, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I yeah, I enjoyed the experience of it overall. But no, it's I, a good. It's it's a perfectly fine read. It's <laughs> just. It's nothing. There's a reason, amazing. like I read, I read about three times as fast this book as compared to the last one we did. Yeah, I for reference, I've been somewhat feverish and somewhat procrastinating on this a lot. I read all these issues yesterday. Yeah, it's not it's it's not uh it's yeah, it doesn't take long to read it. There's not much dialogue throughout it. There's not a you know, it is it yeah. is a, a fast read. There there's the occasional art bit that um is sometimes not having its attention drawn to that I appreciate, like when they're in Germany and they go to a brothel that is designed to look like the mechanical woman from Metropolis, but with giant boobs. Naturally. But anyway, yeah, so they catch up to the Selmer uh, fleet, manage to skirt through them through use of clever driving and a jet engine. Again, this truck's US-1. And they get in line as we are also introduced to the idea of Burma Selmer, uh, the heiress to the Selmer fa- uh, to the Selmer uh, company, who, if found, is being offered a, a bounty of $15 million. Mm. Uh, also in this time, we're introduced to the sorceress, who will become important later. And whose yeah. plot will never be resolved. Ever. <laughs> But yeah, it uh, turns out the cargo they're there to carry, uh, specifically the cargo there, the cargo that the Selmer trucks are there to carry, is weapons destined for the Gigantsk uh, interchange, which ties into the larger plot for this part of the story. And if I'm being honest, it's so surface level, I am barely sure I understand what the actual plot is. I get it. It's just it's kind of almost pointless to talk about. Yeah, I... Like, there's a whole thing about, like, um, the People's Republic of China wiping out Mongolia that's just kind of mentioned but never addressed again. Yeah, it's not even a plot point. It's just a yeah. it's just a reason why the plot is happening. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, as we get deeper in, I'll try to get into that. Uh, but yeah, so... For some reason... Sequoia is allowed to carry out a Selmer contract. 
genuinely do not know why. No. Just some fucking dude walks in. It's like, I just let him do it. For no reason. Yeah. There's something that happens later that would maybe lead to believe that's what they're talking about, but it's, again, not explained, so I have no proof that that's what they were alluding to. Yeah, so uh, we get a quick cut over to Chicago at for Selmer, for Selmer uh, headquarters where the boss of Selmer is like, hey, fucking kill this guy. To which one of the boots in the ground is like, yeah, don't worry, we fucking, we'll fucking kill him. I got ideas for days. As he's loaded up and they head the fuck out. And this is kind yeah. of where uh, where the most dialogue happens that explains what the larger plot is. So. Mongolia. Has been. Attacking Siberia. And kind of Russia in general, burning down buildings and looting villages. Driving a bunch of refugees to the to the uh, Zhigansk interchange. And they're doing this because of China. Who is not presented in the story ever. In the slightest. Yeah. And like, despite the fact that a huge portion of the Zhigansk plot involves like communist Russia versus czarist Russia, the fact that China exists and is a communist country is entirely superfluous to the story about China wiping out Mongolia. So that's why it's attacking Russia. Yeah. And I know you were saying it was unclear, I guess, how he kind of came across this job, which it is. But I also feel like he is a freelance guy. So, oh, no, it's not even a matter of like, it's not even a matter of like how he came across the job because like jobs get out there. The thing is, when he pulled in, there was a guy holding up a sign saying, Selmer trucks, other trucks. Oh, like how he was able to get through as a result of not being Selmer. Yeah, he then crashed into like the Selmer line and Selmer people started attacking his truck. He threatened to kill them all. Yeah. yeah, And then a Selmer guy walked out and goes, "Eh, it's okay. Let him work. Yeah. 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 He's he's a badass freelancer, man. What are you going to do? (laughs) (laughs) Let him do his thing. (laughs) That's the best. Your attempt to oversimplify the story even more has now annoyed Dead to know it. <laughs> Little bit. You just gotta, you just gotta go with it. <laughs> anyway, so they're out in the road on the C three C, the main fucking hook of this of this world's plot, main fucking hook of this world building. Because yeah, it's not really a plot point; it's just a setting. Yeah, it's just it's just and- a thing that exists. I remember I remember re- like reading a thing about like the setup for the story about how people were like, oh, hell yeah, it's got, like, because it has this, like, worldwide highway, it's a worldly story. It can be, it can globalize the world while still taking weeks to get from location to location. So it still feels like a big world, but a connected big world. And it's like, no, it fucking doesn't. Yeah, because for that to happen, it would require it to feel like in some way, like these settings connect. And they don't really. Even the part where, like, uh, truckers from Canada are shipping weapons to Russia 
once the weapons leave Canada, the Canada stuff is not mentioned unless we just like briefly cut back to the Selmer uh, executive building. The Selmer executive building's in Chicago. Ah, so even less so. Okay. Yes, last time I checked, Chicago was not Canadian yet. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want that. Yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> Do you want Chicago? <laughs> not really, nah. Don't really want any of America. Y'all can keep it. We'll, we'll give you Idaho if you want. We don't want it. I mean, maybe we'll take Alaska. I mean, it's already on us. <laughs> well, forget about well, it. Depends it, like the you are, it depends whether you or Russia pay us more for it. <laughs> yeah, Russia ends up paying more, but it's still just everyone just like, oh, how's it going, eh? I mean, those Vidanya? I don't know, man. Oh, anywho. But yeah, so it's just a big old fucking truck fight. Uh, ends up destroying one of the trucks and blocking off part of the highway. As as the sorceress. And sorceress like, hey, have you heard of the trans pole? Which is to say, have you heard of a road that isn't the fucking main centerpiece of our fucking world? Literally, first issue, introduce C3C, show it off, and then fucking leave it. <laughs> Fuck the C3C, it don't matter no more. <laughs> We're going to drive along the pass that killed the terror. Duh. But yeah, and as they're driving, they get attacked by Mongolian road pirates. Yeah. Which, some sick-ass looking trucks. The Mongolian trucks especially look look insanely metal slug. Well, yeah, that which and metal slug stuff that that eighties nineties that late eighties early nineties aesthetic that was everywhere in anime manga and video games is amusing, and it's arguably like again this tied more to the art than the story. Uh, the aesthetic stuff is actually better at doing the world building, honestly, than um. Oh yeah. The the writing. Yeah, hundred percent. As as we said right from the start of this, the the art is more of the highlight than anything in the in this in this book. I feel like and yeah, like, like I'm happy to I'm happy to own it on my shelf because of the art. But I'll tell you this: if the art was bad, I would have read this and already got rid of the book because I feel like it's not worth keeping. Like you know what I mean? But like yeah, I I I, I can at least flip through this and 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 look at the art still in this book and be be happy with the purchase in that sense. Yeah, like it. <sighs> It's because it's not memorable. I yeah, feel. like I, there, I, we, there, we haven't been like the, reading. We haven't been like reading like massive swaths. We don't really do that. But I don't know if it's just my translation. But it feels, it feels like a mid '90s anime dub, mm-hmm. but in comic form. It feels like they are speaking with a cadence that is completely unnatural for no reason other than maybe too literal of a translation. Well, that's well, that's why I found that the translation, although not great throughout the whole thing i felt but i felt like this first three-parter um i felt was not as good as the translation i feel got a little bit better as the book went on but still yeah i i I think you're right in the way you're describing it it did it did feel like that um yeah it's it just it just sucks because i feel like there is a lot of there is a lot of interesting like like we just said, like imagery and like concepts that are just wasted on the story not being fleshed out enough. Like yeah. I feel like it, it's it's 
because like on the surface like there's a lot of things to like about this like I, I i really dug the the world although we never really get to see like or spend too much time <laughs> in this world i feel like because he's you know especially when you get to the, the second half he's bouncing all over the place right, yeah by that point right so and like it's, even it's, like character yeah. stuff because like this yeah. collection of characters for a main group like badass fighter main guy his little sister and their strained relationship and then throw in the sorceress. That's a time tested formula for like a party of people to go out and do things. Yeah. And also another character who I felt like should have stayed important, but wasn't um, there. The story starts out with like the legend of the missing Selmer uh, sibling. And there's like, Oh, uh, Corporate politics suck. They just decided not to pay the ransom, so they cut off her foot. But she turned out to still be badass anyway. Um, Introduced and dropped never, in issue three. Yeah, she's never brought up again, despite the fact that that seemed like it was supposed to be more important than it was. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look at there. And there's so many things to like, like about this that it reminds me of, like in its DNA, like like you just said, like all the manga influences, and the and like it kind of reminds, like you said, Metal Slug, and like kind of Contra and Rambo, and like you know what yeah, I mean, like yeah, there's like, like all the, like there's a lot all these of like great eight, things, like a lot of like eighties bad dudes energy, but then like mix that in with like Winter Mad Max. Yeah, no, but I like all everything we just said there. Like, I love all those things. Like, that's like it's it's got this weird mix of like it just reminds me of a lot of that stuff, and I I dig all those type of things. And like a dystopian setting, like set you know, sign me yeah. up. Like it, it kind of. Like, and it, I, and I, I personally, I don't know about either of you, but I personally am a fan of a of an action story where you have multiple badass women who are both sexual, but not over, but not but not like not like sexualized waifs. Yeah. Like their whole thing is like, yeah, we fuck. Mm. Like you're a guy we like to fuck, but yeah, we fuck. Like, like the only, I know you don't like the back half dead, but the, I kind of appreciated the bit in the Parador chapter where, uh, Segoy was just being treated as a man whore and being like, that was a solid moment. His pants were pulled down. A bunch of chicks were like sticking uh, bills in his pants, like saying, "Give me, give me some." Yeah, it was. uh, It was literally taking place in a strip club. Yeah. (laughs) But again, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So after some phosphorus mines from the sorceress, they get away, and there's a fucking boat. It doesn't matter. This is just in the middle of fucking nowhere in the Arctic Circle. Just a boat, and then Segoi's like. Hey, get inside. Anyway, rocket launcher. Woo! Yeah. I wonder if that was supposed to be the Franklin expedition. No fucking clue, dude. Yeah. A bit of history, uh, because this was actually not discovered until recently. Uh, In the early 19th, 20th century, uh, an American, not American, a uh, British uh, naval vessel tried to find the Northwest Passage around Canada to the Pacific. Uh, it went missing and was never seen again. They didn't find it until 2016, somewhere off uh, Prince William Island. Hmm. Yeah. Not know that. So that that could have been a reference to that, because no one knew what happened to that to that ship when this story was written. So, if you'd like to see a story about the Northwest Passage, check out The Terror, season yeah, one. Don't bother Dan with season Simmons. two. Written by Dan Simmons, a writer I am very proud, very uh, fond of. I'm very proud of. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm I, I, I very proud because like, uh, this is just random. Like he's basically what I wish I could be because he basically was a U a history slash English teacher who quit and started writing books and got rich. So yeah, that's the dream. Yeah, for <laughs> Danny boy. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, Danny, Danny. But... <laughs> but yeah, so him shoot. Turns out. Shooting a rocket launcher at a at a massive pile of ice and snow <laughs> can cause a fucking avalanche, yeah. which buries the star and traps Oblivia inside. But it's okay; she'll be fine in there. As Segoy goes and fucks for seemingly no reason, <laughs> which is other than the attractive woman who's introduced into us into this story has to fuck him at least once. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the sorceress most- brings him back to his truck where she has set up a ritual that looks equal parts Middle Eastern and Jewish. Yeah, and I was originally thinking when this part came up, is this racist? But apparently this character actually is Middle Eastern, so it's not racist in that sense, at least. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So she says, I got to talk to this. Originally, I thought it was... So- I- Originally, I thought it was just some American chick who uh, went to the Middle East for a semester and, uh, like, quote unquote, adopted the culture. It's like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So she conducts a ritual to talk to the spirits and sees the future, which the future is a reflection in a cup of wine of what's currently happening. Yeah, I don't think they know what the future is. I don't know. But yeah, and then she's like, "Hey, the future. The spirit said we gonna fuck, so let's fuck." During the did, fucking, yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I, the one thing I didn't like. I, I didn't care about. I mean, again, this is European comic. Like, I didn't feel like like the gratuitous sex, whatever. But like, it didn't bother me. And uh, he draws good looking women. I didn't care about that so much. But the but the cheesy jokes, like the sexual innuendo that he would bust out sometimes during it, I feel like did bother me at times. Like there there was some there was some cheesy sex jokes that were sometimes I'm like, okay, it's a little amusing. But oh sometimes yeah, there's I'm just there's like, literally one pan- out bad. Yeah. There's literally a two panel <laughs> sequence of Segoy the Sorcerer's fucking. And the next panel, Sagoy, are you coming? Yeah. Yeah, so Oblivia uh, calls her friends back in Switzerland who put her on video just to make fun of her. Because, you know, they rich and they young girls, so they bitches. I mean, they don't even have to be rich. I, I've met plenty of poor young girls who are incredibly bitchy. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah, that just fucking happens. And nothing ever comes of it. But speaking of coming after the sex, uh, he takes off a like the sorceress is wearing like a a headdress kind of thing. Uh, takes it off. And it's like holy shit, it's Burma Selmer. At, alert! No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, next day they get truck unstuck and head out with Segoy going ahead on a little uh, fucking snowmobile. That he stole from the cops. And they come across a fucking ancient snow temple. Filled with futuristic coffins. Sarcophagi filled with Mongolian people. As another one then just comes in from the distance and crashes into the pile. Yeah, I kind of like this concept of like when you die, your body is put into a 
a motorized remote coffin that sends you to the gravesite yeah. of your people. <laughs> yeah, that's, Again, that's neat. That's cool. a stick cultural idea that's never expounded upon enough for me to feel like it matters. Yeah. But hey, no like time for that. Another Mongolian too. attack. I like Segoy's comment. He's like, that's a funny way to store cold meat. Segoy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, S- constantly the uh, culturally sensitive one. Yeah. Uh, Even to his own culture. <laughs> yep. So anyway. Yeah, big old fight. Uh, Sorcerer's truck gets taken out. And hey, she prophesied that one of the trucks wouldn't survive the journey. Whoa. She magic. Also, do we know or, why you know, she in, was in on it? <laughs> why he yells out Drax as like his Dan? Like, I, do we know why that? It is? might be. It might be a cultural thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah, assume. Yeah, there were a couple. Of, there were a couple of times I looked up um, words from this. I couldn't find them in the Romany dictionary, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. That just means it's not easily found. Yeah, I've I looked up a couple of things and a couple of them are like, hey, yeah, this is like old Romani shit. And other and others are just Yeah, and then others are just hey, they made up a word and then in the future it's used for to be kind of a shithead to people. Yeah, uh uh the closest I've been able to find for Drax is Draku, which is like hell. So, like or Draku, devil. Yeah. Just ah yeah. hell. <laughs> Which is actually a, a much nicer swear word than I would have expected from Segoy. Oh, yeah, uh, I expected that to be like the Rom- Romani equivalent of like Tabernacle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like how, or like how the British uh, so casually say the C word or but something. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, Segoy gets back on his truck, uh, goes back to get the sorceress. Uh, Oblivion's like, why? And then he tells her he's worth a lot of money. He's like, oh, shit. Fuck it, seriously? 15 million, no shit. Huh. Which this a great will never clue. be followed up on. Yeah, ever. Just fuck it. As uh Sorcerer's truck explodes and explodes part of the temple, I'm assuming. But we're gone by then. Fuck it. And that's the end of issue one. What was that? 50 50 something pages of kind of nothing? 75. 75. Oh, cool. 75, 75 pages. Page. 75 pages of kind of nothing. Just, hey, here's, we're going to set up this world. Okay, fuck this world. Yeah, there's there's six stories across 350 pages, and a lot of them are so surface level that it can feel like, wow, I read so much and yet read so little. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to issue two, The Fires of Siberia. As we are in Zhigansk. Hey, we're finally where important things are supposedly happening. Which is a giant fucking like. It's a giant goddamned platform with a bunch of highways going into it. As the train's coming in uh, to deliver supposedly supplies for the refugees living there. And the people in charge of this are. The current Russian government? <laughs> yeah, uh, I get the impression that uh, you said it was released in 92. I get the impression this was written in like 88, 89. 
where the Russian gov- the Soviet government wasn't dead yet. It was just effectively powerless. Yeah, I. It's one of the factions in this world, and I like for the longest time. I didn't know what Zhigansk was or where its alliances were or who they were being run by. Well, it, well, well, the problem with um, Zhigansk's location, if I'm not mistaken about where it roughly is, is that um, Russia has effective control of the European part of its territory and the Pacific coastal part of its territory Everything else except what's right along the Transcontinental Railroad is very, uh, I'm sorry, Trans-Siberian Railroad, is very loosely controlled. Yeah, looking at Google Maps, because Zhigansk is a real place, it is okay. It is a place, city, rural, it's a rural locality, um, along a river in the middle of Russia. Okay, then, yeah, the fact that it's very loosely controlled. And this is probably, like, the most significant Russian um, uh, control post in this area, which is why, um, spoiler alert for slightly later in the story, the czarists were trying to use it as the uh, the point of starting a counter-revolution against the Reds. Yeah, and are these, are these guys part of the C3C? Because, like, Slow-Mo is, cause, like, it's run by a guy named Slow-Mo. Whatever jokes you want to make there. And a woman's begging him. was like, hey, please give us something to fucking eat. My baby's dying. And he's like, piss off, bitch. The employees of C3C get here first. And it's like, okay, is he part of the C3C? Or is he just capitulating to them because they have so much power in the new world? And he's just part of the government. I, I think it's the latter, but yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Because, again... The story is very loosely explained and vaguely understood, and because there's some there's some element of a theme across all of these stories of like, um, like international uh, corporate capitalism being a bad thing. I know, shocker. Yeah. But um, uh, it's not. It it, it feels too. For a series that's so surface level, it feels too subtle or like just not addressed enough. <laughs> like there's there's too many like I mean the last story is pretty explicit, like, oh, uh the C three C governments are uh capitulating to this local drug cartel who happened to have a a drug that's necessary to fight a global epidemic, but they just keep creating new epidemics. So ha 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 ba ba ninety two. 30 yeah. years ago. <laughs> but yeah, as Slomo and his people are just going around, uh, he just starts pissing the shit out of a woman who just fucking his guards. Just being a real shit to her. As the train rolls in with food and everything. Woo, it's great. Uh, it gets immediately blown up and thrown off the rails. <laughs> as done by the Tsarists. And then he hucks a woman off the fucking tower. You know, because why not? Meanwhile, back in Chicago, uh, Miss Matten, the head of the head of a, her little organization, is getting in some quick, naked Muay Thai fighting. Boxy boxing. 
I was trying to avoid saying that. <laughs> throw it out there. <laughs> you can always, whenever you feel uncomfortable about something, Dad, just let Nico say it. <laughs> or you. <laughs> Come on, we're all sharing. here for, Dad? We're, we're all sharing the, the responsibility today of doing that. <laughs> you had to see the title of the book, so I felt I would help you out with that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Slomo is in cahoots with Selmer because they both have they both have vested interest in not having the UN and any other world powers look at what's happening in Zhigansk. No, never really sure why that is happening or why they care a whole lot, other than or what or what purpose the UN serves in this world, if any. Yeah. And then it's followed up by the like the probably my favorite of all the sex scenes where he just gets ridden on while driving the truck. <laughs> yeah, it's a future truck. It has autopilot. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous ridiculous for me. Of the you sex you say that, Nico, but uh, <laughs> like like I pointed out to Dead, this character is clearly based on being Bandit, and the stated um, superpower of being Bandit is if he is behind the wheel of a vehicle, you can't stop him. <laughs> Apparently that applies to everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh cutting back to our good old boy Sagoy. Uh they they're continuing driving along, uh, getting into Siberia and getting into a what looks like industrial village that had recently been ransacked by the Mongols. It's bad. Yeah. It, it I mean, yeah, it's it it's it's more racist than the uh, Fallout 4 game I've been playing a lot recently. Yeah, just the some kind of yeah. almost uh, Hellraiser shit. Yeah, with the chains and the hanging of the bodies and such. Yeah, it's yeah, fucked up. So to distract himself, Sagoy goes into a flashback of young little Sagoy with his family, his little sister, uh, and he's playing violin as they are then immediately attacked by militia people. And yeah, it's just him telling. Yeah, eventually realizes it's just him telling uh, Oblivia about their history, and just how yeah things aren't great for Romani people. Mm-hmm. You know, not particularly. But yeah, they end up going to sleep, and when he wakes up, it is he sees that fucking sorceress has supposedly jumped out the side of the fucking truck. But surprise, it was a trap as he as she hucks them both off and then tries to run them down with his own truck. Ooh, you. Yep. And just kind of ends up forcing him off the C3C. As Miss Matten and some of our friendly Selmer boys, including the Scotsman, uh, ship off in a really dumb looking hot air balloon. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, planes are outlawed. But dirigibles, yeah. much safer. Uh, hello? So, uh, dirigible? Uh, Zeppelin? Sorry, you win. <laughs> uh, L plus ratio, get shit on. It's like it's supposed to be made to look like the shape of a whale or something. It's very strange looking. Yeah. <laughs> or or like it, it belongs in a more style. It, like uh, there's, a, there's a definite style to this, even if it's a very earthy style. It feels like it's supposed to be from a more stylized setting. 
like um, uh, I didn't want to reference a show about another with another famous actor who died, but it feels they feel like the Zeppelins from Batman TAS Gotham. Little bit, but it also doesn't help that they have like jet turbines in the middle of them. So kind of defeats yeah. the purpose of not having planes because if a jet engine is in there, it's still burning fuel. Yeah, but it's it's a lot. It it's the uh, have both of you seen uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Uh, I read it. Yeah, I just read it. I haven't watched. Okay, it. Uh, uh, in the animated movie version, uh, Mikey was like, "Dude, we have to go to Gotham more often." I can totally jump off all of these insane dirigibles everywhere. I mean, why do they even have all of these? <laughs> I I do recall like losing my shit though when we read the book at how the art depicted the Batmobile. I remember fucking. Oh, you mean the laughing. Catmobile? The Catmobile. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Love that book. Yeah. What the fuck was that Batmobile? I have no clue, but yeah, I, I I remember really loving the book, but that was a standout of one time I just lost it laughing on the on the show because uh, like, another reference to this? the animated movie. Uh, Mikey is in the Batmobile and is trying desperately to control himself until Batman says, "Michael Angelo, push every button." <laughs> That's awesome. <sighs> anyway. So yeah, um, Ms. Matten Matt gets word of Sorceress dealing with Segoy. Dealing. What? D no, dealing. I feel like dealing. Sorry, yeah. I was trying. It's hard, yeah. it's hard to do dealing. air quotes verbally. Yeah, that's why you gotta say quote-unquote dealing. <laughs> Sometimes I, I can do enough of a sneering ac uh, accent to my voice that it, you can tell I'm doing air quotes, but it's not always possible. Yeah. And so, yeah, as Matt is talking to her friend, talking to her quote unquote friend, they were roommates, you see. Uh, Sabrina. Uh, we get a bit more about, you know, uh, Burma Selmer and how she actually got, she didn't go, she didn't go away. She got fucking kidnapped. Uh, and they got. They got a bunch of her toes in a ransom demand, and Ms. Matt was like, yeah, fuck that bitch. This company's mine now. Fuck the lot of you. And off they go. And hey, yeah, quote-unquote deal, because Segoy and his sister, 100% fine. Literally not a scratch. Yeah. They fell, like, what, 20 stories? Yeah. But don't worry. Truckers, truckers don't have to follow the laws of physics. Yeah, don't worry, folks. Fir trees, great dispersing kinetic energy. <laughs> yeah, uh, which, again, whenever that happened, I was reminded of the scene from um, uh, Rambo First Blood, where, uh, yeah, he did that, but it broke his arm in three places. <laughs> yeah. And to quote, and to quote Sylvester Stallone specifically, like he specifically said, "Oh no, my arm actually got broken during that scene." So. <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, they hop a fence into a into a park and end up running across a Mongol about to rape a young Russian boy. Because why not? Yeah, why not? It, they've done it. They've done a bunch of other fucking post apocalyptic tropes. Why not throw that into? 
Right. Yep, Sigoy's about to just let it go because, like, eh, fuck it, I ain't gonna deal with this shit. Yeah, that's uh, again, like he's 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 kind of a like you know not a person you love to root for at times, especially in the first half of this book. But like, I felt like he was just being too like casual about that. Like, like he really took his sweet ass time trying to help that situation. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't want to help the situation, according to yeah. his words. <laughs> Yeah, he's selfish. It like, ain't the first time that a Mongol snuck up on a ru- on a Russian by the back door. Yeah. And I'm in no mood to change the course of history. <sighs> oh, that's bad. Yeah. I- I'd like the line, but it's fucking awful. No, I know. It's dark. Yeah, it's just kind of like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. But as he's busy saying, ah, I don't. Yeah, I'm just going to turn the other way on this child rape. Wait, my child's about to be raped. You motherfucker. Because Oblivia stops him, stops the rape. But then they immediately get captured by the fucking horde of Mongolians surrounding them. Cutting back to something pointless and then back to the actual part, the thing we care about. Uh, Yeah, it's a Mongolian war camp as Sequoia gets thrown into a death match. It goes how you would expect. Which is to say, well for Sugoi. Yeah. Because he's our main character. And like I said, he wears red in the post-apocalypse. Uh, he, didn't <laughs> he hits a guy with a guy. And I had a conversation about that in terms of D&D earlier today. And how much I don't I like... I should ask K-Man that. How, what's, the, what's the damage if you use a guy as a bludgeoning weapon? Rule is written 1d4. Okay. Yeah, improvise. Kind of seems not worth it. But. Yeah, it isn't. But everyone is. Everyone fucking. <laughs> ah. It's funny the things that ir- irk you. It's just like mid conversation. Like, well, any anything that like seems cool but doesn't work as well in D and D annoys dead because everyone right. wants to do the cool things. It's like no, it doesn't time. work. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It's like, hey, you want to hit a guy with a guy? Cool. On one turn, make a grapple check. On another turn, make another grapple check. On your final turn, make an attack at disadvantage. You deal 1d4 plus strength. Not worth it, huh? Maybe use the magic great axe I fucking gave you. (laughs) So much cooler to throw somebody. (laughs) Who gives a shit? A weapon is designed to hit people. (laughs) Fuck you. You know what? Rocks fall. Everyone dies. <laughs> I stop trying to eat the spider. <laughs> yeah, so he wins. Yes, yeah, so Sagoy wins the fight, but then who gives a shit? They're in, a, they're in the middle of a literal Mongolian camp, so kind of gets shit on immediately and thrown into a cage. That's sick. You'll keep your word, right? Sure. <laughs> sure I will, bud. Yeah. Don't worry, there. That's what... That's when they drop uh, Genghis Khan's name. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then in the cave, in the cage, you meet. Um, appreci- Sorry, go ahead. I almost would have appreciated if they just randomly found Genghis Khan's corpse, because one of the one of the fa- famous bits of history is that no one knows where Genghis Khan was buried because his followers buried him, grew a forest, and then killed themselves, so no one would ever knew where it was. 
Yeah. There are different factions of the Mongolian horde, each of them with a different desiccated corpse they think is Genghis Khan. At this point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, up at the anyway, they put get put in a cage, and in the cage we meet um Alexei and his nephew Ivan. They will be important later. Yep. And we also get context for that fucking temple in the middle of the, in the middle of the fucking Arctic. It was Mongolian. They're sending people there because you know, they die in they die in this great holy war to build a Mongolian empire throughout the Arctic Circle starting in Siberia. So that's also, why they're attacking Siberia, I guess. Right. I, I feel it's worth giving a shout out to the artist to Marini for drawing a pretty awesome looking woolly mammoth, which I don't feel like you see in comics. Uh, yeah, no, so much. Like, uh, there are a few times when, huh, saved by woolly mammoth stampede can be said. So it's appropriate when it's happens. <laughs> yeah. So jumping ahead a bit, woolly mammoth stampede into the camp. I don't think it's that far, so I don't feel as it's bad. It's not, about yeah, that you know, it's a couple pages. Yeah, and yeah, because a thing that was very uh, a a little bit of like nice, um, like in universe story, like in panel storytelling without dialogue. For a for a in one panel, we see a sign on the fence they climb for Paleo Park, and then they're like, "Oh, right, this is the one where they brought all those woolly mammoths back to life." Like, this is just straight up a line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, that is just a that is a very subtle little thing. Just one panel, Paleo Park, and then a bit later, oh god, it's the Jurassic Park, but for mammoths. This may be yep. well, this is maybe around the time of the film, too, I would say. Uh, like, I mean, it's a couple years out. before Jurassic Park, so... Okay, so I think it's the, the, book, Park, but the book was already out, yeah. The book was probably written, but the movie was not out yet. Right. But at the same time, people were uh, obsessed with the idea of, hey, what can can modern science possibly be, bring prehistoric creatures back to life? Like, that was not invented by no, no, Jurassic no. Park, but yeah, it no. was the most popular version of it. But yeah, as the woolly mammoths attack the camp, um, Alexei starts spouting off about weird Russian, I don't know, I don't even know what to call it. I know there's a word for it, but he's like, look, ancient ancestral Russia is reawakening to protect us. Russian dog gobbledygook. I mean, I guess dogma would be, from his perspective, I call it gobbledygook. Oh, yeah, it's nonsense. It's we're being attacked by Mongols. Quick, Russia, summon the mammoths to save us. Like, what? <laughs> but yeah, luckily there's a truck there. So it's a guy gets to behind the wheel. And they just fucking hoof it. Uh, as we cut back to sources for a second, who keeps trying to get through to Gigantic, but roads blocked, so you have to cut through different areas. And apparently, apparently, the road from the Northwest Territories to Siberia, if that gets broken off, the only detour is through the United States. I do not understand how the layout of this road. I just, I. Uh, yeah, because. I assumed it was like lined up 
kind of along the tra the Trans-Siberian Railroad route because the whole goal of the original reason the Trans-Siberian Railroad was set up where it was is well these are the parts that ice over the least in the frigid Siberian winters so they're the hardest they're the easiest to maintain but uh there seems to be no evidence that that's the case so I have no idea <laughs> at all I don't fucking know Meanwhile in the back of a truck children trying to fuck Ivan is just all of a sudden up on Oblivia. Yeah, and she has this unfortunately childlike romanticism of her first time, which okay. Yeah, it's also weird how defensive and into it she gets. Because it's like Ivan comes over and like, hey, you asleep? Make sure she's awake. Kisses her. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What are you doing? And the second Segoy pops up, and he's like, shut the fuck up, Segoy, you piece of shit. I'm big enough to take this dick. And I wonder if that was just as like a fuck you to her brother more than I want to fuck you. <laughs> but then later, it just gets hardcore into it. And is that still just yeah. go fuck my brother? I don't know. Like, she spends the rest of the story being mad at her brother's existence kind of unnecessarily at points so yeah <laughs> anyway they get attacked by russians Woo! and almost yeah, and almost grenaded but then they scream russian they scream russian they scream russia's great and then get let out as everyone's like oh shit it's the new tsar of russia ivan the magnificent fuck This just kind of comes out of fucking nowhere, really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. This last leg of things is just kind of like rinse and repeat. We're going to do this thing. Well, I'm going to do the thing my way. You're going to do it our way or I kill you. You made last leg of this story. Last leg of this story. Because kind of. It's kind of from there, this Tsarist faction and Sagoy go like, yeah, we're going to go take Zhigansk. And then we move on to issue three. The Day of the Tsar. And the final part of the only continuous story in this fucking book. Yeah. It's six issues with four stories. Yeah. But yeah, so Ivan gets crowned. Everyone's like, holy shit, the Tsar's back. This is going to be fucking great. Sukhoi gets roped into going on a fucking suicide mission. And they head out to take Zhigansk. As, as the sorceress is, as the sorceress along with the uh, Selmer blimp is getting closer to Zhigansk with their weapons. Uh, yeah, I. This entire relationship, it's this entire relationship between Ivan and Oblivia. It's not even like it's. It's not even like a romanticized first time. It's a romanticized. This is a way to get back at my brother and be what the girls at school thought I was. Mm -hmm. And I. I don't like it. 
Especially don't like yeah. it because they're both children. Yeah, they're what, 13, 14? Uh, at least 16. Because you gotta remember, Oblivia at the start of the story, this is her 12 years later. Okay, yeah, true. And she was at boarding school this entire time, which I'm assuming was single gender. Yeah, and then like, after this, they don't really... She's not until later on, like you you don't really see her as a character in the next story following this. So like to leave to leave on this kind of on this storyline was uh I think Well yeah, and the next time we yeah. see her she's suddenly just uh a pub a, a published author a published author and hard hitting journalist. Like what? <laughs> see, the only thing I, I like the 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 takeaway from that was all of a sudden, it seemed like, like Segoy like became like a sellout of sorts, and then like I got possibly why because they reference it once why women would kind of throw themselves at him because in the sense that like they've heard now about his like escapades essentially you know what I mean like so there was like somewhat of an explanation for why people are just like banging them but like, only but... like one of them is like oh hey you're you're Segoy aren't you you're this guy but the other person right. is like is like hey yeah the ancient said that when she met this comic book character they'd fuck right right no I'm not saying that it totally makes sense in every instance but like the he's just too was... much of a sigma yeah it just it like I just thought that that Damn was it. <laughs> Segoy's on the grind set, my dog. <laughs> Look, take these brain force pills and subscribe to my podcast. <laughs> Fucking Christ. What are we talking about? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> a, a very bad alpha, a very bad bro-y meme. So just okay. keep going. <laughs> yeah. So the Tsarist and Segoy breach Gigansk as all the people inside are fucking dying and crying what the fuck is happening we need we need to fucking take these we need to take the shit back and then sars are there it's like hey take it back you said well guess the fuck what we have guns in the king let's fucking go baby you gotta love synergy like that finding people that desperate immediately Well, if you believe Russian history, they're everywhere, unfortunately. Yep. Anyway, and the star pulls up because, hey, yeah, they're delivering weapons here. Uh, Tsugoi does the obvious thing and tries to run down against his truck and everyone pulls guns on him. As the revolution begins, the Tsarists uh, take over, uh, begin, begin just like mowing down the forces inside. Uh, as outside, I believe these are the Tsarists. Yeah. They're wearing the same white coats. They got the yeah, source. The, the ones who are, are greeting the star. Yeah, the ones the ones greeting the sorceress. Just rip her out of the fucking truck. Rip her titties out for no reason. And then, yeah. and then we get introduced to another faction, the White Wing. Yeah, who I still don't know what they are, what they want. <laughs> They're assassin wizards. Well, they want no, they, to be assassin wizards. 
the assassin wizards are a faction of it, but they establish in the story that focuses on the assassin wizards that it's more sort of like a global cabal thing that like the assassin wizards are just a tiny part of it now. The assassin wizards are the birth of it, and then fucking corporate America took over and they lost the heart. And isn't that the premise of her whole book later on? Is that White Wing thing, the thing that she writes? Isn't it like about their? Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, so the fucking the fucking dirigible gets there, and everything goes immediately tits up. Everyone's shooting. Everyone shit's dying. Everything's exploding. And yeah, a bunch of bombs get fucking dropped on the from the Zeppelin because there are a bunch of bombs in the Zeppelin. Uh, and the Zaris win very easily, just kind of. Barely an inconvenience. Barely an inconvenience. Like, how many people died? Like, seven? If that. Yeah. Some of them they just kicked off and killed later. Yeah, uh, slow-mo gets pinned under a box of bullets and a woman pisses on his head. Yeah, so, a lot of piss in this, too, now that I think about it. Yeah, a lot of piss. And then, Big Ben, you know, the guys at the beginning of the book who... Kick the sh- got the shit kicked out of him. Segoy saves his life for reasons I can't comprehend. Genuinely don't know why he did this. Like, do you guys? Uh, the best I could guess was when he thought he needed someone tied to uh, Selmer to turn in the Selmer ransom to. But, but he didn't uh, know that was a thing yet. Uh, it's literally not until he saves Big Ben that he learns that the bald woman he's been rolling with is Miss Selmer. I'm trying to remember what he said at the end that made him... Because he, he said something to him. He said, if you leave me to die here, you'll have my lights in your mirror for the rest of your damn life. Yeah, I don't know. That might have just been... Because it's one of, it seems like it's a trucker thing. Like that's supposed to be the thing. It's like oh, the solidarity of truckers. But he's literally like, "Hey, you're not a fucking trucker." So later, nerd. I mean, I would argue that Segoy is not really that much of a trucker. <laughs> like, yeah, he 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 drives a truck, but there's a lot of other things going on too. <laughs> not just truck driving in this book. Yeah. So yeah, it turns out the woman who led the fucking Tsarist revolution is Burma Selmer. So hey, there's your fucking money, I guess. Uh, Ivan and Bl- and uh, Oblivia get rolled in to Zhigansk. As they're like, whoo, yeah, shit's going to be awesome. Meanwhile, fucking Sabrina, Miss Matten's buddy, her roommate, and it, her partner. Just, just a dirigible just flying off into nowhere. That's never addressed or dealt with ever. Is she dead? I don't know. Genuinely don't know. Her eyes look alive. Mm, I don't know about that. I think there's even that last panel where they look dead. It's not like they're blinking at all. I think she's dead. Yeah, they're not blinking, but like if they're pulling from anime, they have the white dots in the iris. Thus, it means they're alive. 
Hmm. Yeah, and it's not Youngblood's disease. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, like, in, at least in, like, manga and anime. Right. And this is entirely me putting, like, false pretenses on this because it looks so much like this, like some of the other shit I've read. No, it's, it's you know, it's a fair... It's a fair assumption. I mean, if there, it, yeah. it's clearly if there is light reflecting it. in the irises that they're, they're alive, if there isn't, then they're either dead or about to murder you. Mm. Potentially both. Yeah, I just felt like, you know, the way that it was left off and the fact that she isn't moving. But yeah, the, the center in on the eye could be the tip off that she's not actually dead. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Ivan gets brought in and it's like, hey, guess what? Me and Oblivion, we're getting married, baby. Alexei doesn't handle this well. And neither does Segoy, but Segoy deals with other people not handling his not handling it well better. As he just stomps out, someone's like, hey, you gotta bow to the Emperor. So he just jacks him and leaves. They get married and Segoy, finding a violin made of brass but able to play it like a regular violin. Or I guess that was just a regular violin completely in tune on a statue. Yeah, and this is what the scene I was talking about, because I think Oblivia asked him when he was, like, saying, fuck this marriage nonsense, why are we still here? When that, uh, her response to that was, um, uh, do you do anything besides fighting and fucking? And I guess this was her an- his answer to her on that, but... <laughs> yeah... I don't know. It's it's the most like it's the most like shorthand way to show people with badass discs can have emotion by giving them an instrument. Yeah. And a violin is a unique one for badasses to play. Usually it's like guitar. Yeah, guitar or trumpet or, you know, saxophone. Oh yeah. Saxophone, that's the fucking sex that's the sax horn. Just ask Nightman. <laughs> but yes. Meanwhile, after after a good old serenade from the balcony, uh, he and Burma Selmer start fucking. Well, they're about to start fucking, but then murder happens. As the sorceress is there, disguised as like a helper. Who then gets into a fucking knife fight with Big Ben and Segoy. She got a leather onesie that makes her look very much like a Hellraiser character. Again, just all leather. All leather and knives. Yeah. Not enough spikes on her outfit, but you know, it would still fit in, maybe in uh maybe one of the lesser Cenobites, the ones that don't go all kink. It's She's a Cenobite like CD head. Just kind of shitty. She's like S&M bondage person who then gets like fish hooks thrown in her eyes or something and becomes like hook eyes or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, so the sorceress breaks into uh, breaks into Ivan's room as the two children are naked. Uh, second time 
200% too much naked children. Yeah. Sorry, 300% too many naked children. Again, very Sonata. Yep. As we get, um, as we get the reveal that all of this, the entire Tsarist movement was built to serve the white wing. Who I, they're introduced way too late into the story to have any kind of real impact. Right. But yeah, Alexa gets murdered. Uh, the entire, the entire like SARS movement comes in and it's like, Hey, we're safe. It's all great. Woo. Yeah. As one of the fucking heads of the SARS movement or one of like the fucking bigger guys in the SARS movement just fucking murders Ivan. Yeah. Pulls out a pistol, shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> right then and there. And, just uh, he dies. I, in actually, arms. I don't think that was one of the cultists. I think it was just one of the. I didn't, uh, I didn't say cultists. I said Tsarists. Yeah, I know, but like, but like, uh, like that was just one of like the regular. Like, that, that was I one guess of. The guy was just that extra. He was like, "Oh no, this guy's not of pure Russian blood. That he has to die." So. I guess our government's dead the moment it starts. Much like many Russian governments, but uh, uh, uh. yeah, and <laughs> it's like I'm assuming this guy was like one of the gigantic refugees who kind of became a tsarist, and they're like, "Hey, we got a new tsar. Oh, he's a fucking fake. Kill him. Oh God, we're lost." And then one woman who isn't even Russian is like, "Now nah, we'll be fine," and that's the end of the goddamn story. Yeah, I, I I didn't love the ending of this. I feel like this was the weakest out of the three. This the well, it feels like the the writer was just like tired of it. Like he's just like, yeah. "Eh, we're done." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that. That issue three is where things begin to go downhill for me. See, I don't mind the back half of this. I just think that that it feels like the writer lost interest in his own story. Is the problem? Yeah. So I don't. <laughs> It'd be kind of like if I don't know what would be a good equivalent. Um, I I can't think of one. Like I was going to say Snyder, but Snyder never loses interest in his own bullshit. War- so like Warren Ellis do- was someone who famously would get bored of a story and like not finish it at a certain point of his career. Like there. Well, was- yeah, he he got, he would get bored of it and then you know uh, hypnotize some uh, girls at Comic Con again, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that's the first three issues. Before we go to the back three, got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, everybody. So issue four, Dark Eyes, which due to which from the uh, editor's notes, it's apparently the Romani national anthem. Or closest thing to it for a for a nomadic people. Oh, I don't have yeah. that in my copy. Where's that? Uh, it, that? Every once in a while in this book, they've put up like little... Honestly, they've done the manga thing of put an asterisk and then in the margins between the panels. Yeah, no, I've I've gotten that in my copy too, but I don't feel like that, what you just said was... Is that on the first page for you? Uh, no, that's on like page like 20. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. That's why I was just like, where... Yeah, no, they've, they've been doing the same thing with the notes in, in, my co- in our copies as well then. Okay, cool. Yeah, like uh, whenever they like whenever uh, Sagoy calls somebody Paios or Pios, right? Which is non-Romani uh, 
people. But yeah, so issue four, we start out with a little rascal. It's called Segoy. Way in the past. Is he just running from getting his ass kicked into his dad who wants to kick his ass? As the ass kicking commences, uh, we get we get news that uh, the conducator the conducator is dead. Uh, I'm butchering that word, but from what I understand, that is a position that Romanian dictators held. Okay. Yeah, and the yeah, last well, one. I mean, if, if the Romani live in like the country of Romania, yes, and Ceausescu sucks. <laughs> yeah, because that's okay. So that is the guy they're talking about then. If they're talking about the last dictator of Romania, yeah, they're talking about uh, I'd say Ceausescu. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so that sets this in 1989. Because there is literally nothing else that tells us when this part of the story takes place. Just, hey, do you know your European history? If not, you're going to be fucking lost. Yeah, but it's one of those wonderful stories written in 89 to 90 where they assume that, oh, the world's not going to radically change in the next year or two, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because like when I saw that word, um, it doesn't have... Like, like we said, our version is like the way that they, the way that they do any, like, letters with accents on them is to just not do the accent and either leave a blank space or a smaller letter. And so I'm like, okay, did they copy and paste and misspell conductor? No. But no, that's, that is a term. And to be fair. Dead. This is still better than the last uh, manga-related time you and I, or anime-related time you would have, run, you and I would have run into Ceausescu. Oh, the Vampire Twins from Black Lagoon. Oh, well, alrighty then. <laughs> Speaking of uncomfortable shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, word gets out that this dictator is dead, and the people celebrate as Segoy's dad celebrates by beating the piss out of the kid who was beating up his kid. And then just leaving. Parent of the year there. Uh, so yeah, um, Segoy and uh, his brother, cousin... I'm not 100% on what their relationship is. Whether or not he's his cousin? Is that what you're saying? No, so Segoy, so this dude, Segoy calls him brother. He calls Segoy cuz. Oh, I I thought it was just his cousin this whole time. But yeah, I guess he does say that to him, but I just took this as his cousin. They might blood-related be cousins, but... I get the impression Segoy used him as like a, viewed him as like a we are brothers, and as such, uh, what he learns about his brother in this story must have really hurt him. You know, they really should have lingered a little longer on that, or done anything. 
<laughs> Instead of just making fun of German people. Yeah, it's like, wow, I guess the Zeldas really hate the Germans because, like I said, the Russian stuff is very boilerplate Russian. The Canadian and American stuff is very boilerplate Canadian. There are some very, like, personal hatred specific things about Germany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so with the with uh, the dictator being dead and his uh, summer home being abandoned, uh, the kids are like, yeah, let's fucking break into a summer home. Apparently, Segoy's done this before and saw golden faucets in one of the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just them fucking hanging out, eating good food, seeing these fucking bathrooms, and then just kind of talking about the future with, uh, the, with the girl that's there, Melina, being like, hey, I'm being like, hey, if... Imagine being a princess, being like, oh, it's the dream. Uh, Myrno, the brother cousin, being like, hey, we're going to get married. I'm going to make you fucking rich and powerful. You'll live amazing like a queen. And then Segoy's, and then fucking five-year-old Segoy's like, I want to twuck. Which, I mean, dream a little gooder, child. Just being a guy with yeah, a truck, but, being but, a guy with a truck is like, a, is like the dream of like a 25-year-old. Yeah, but, like, there's this thing in a lot of 80s and 90s media, not just anime and manga, of, like, the heroic, the heroicization of the of the everyman. Yeah. And I guess Segoy is supposed to be an everyman if you call someone who's virtually bulletproof and impossible to kill and a god to all women an everyman. Yeah, and then but, when we flash uh, forward 25 years, he also seems to have grown a foot in height and half a foot of chin. Yeah. Because apparently the writer, th- the artist thought, huh, okay, he doesn't look enough like Bean Bandit. Yeah, because... Let's make him look more like Bean Bandit. They give him, like, the fucking, like, big-ass, like, single-band sunglasses, a fucking tight leather jacket, a red ascot to go with his red headband. <laughs> and they gave him a fucking... They gave him, they gave him a shitty guy beard. Yeah. Not quite a soul patch, but close. <laughs> It, it it's like a pencil thin like it is a beard at the very fringes of what a beard can be. It's like he grew a full beard and then shaved the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, and also, uh gone is the snowy hellscape of the post apocalypse, and it's now just I don't know, Pittsburgh. Well, northern Germany, because Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Germany, a few few miles from the Czech border. That's that's basically Pittsburgh, right? I mean, Close if you want to be racist, you go ahead. I'm, I'm bad. Go geography ahead. was the joke. <laughs> the fact that I had to Google if Parador was a real country or not. <sighs> I don't think a lot about the world, my guy. But yeah, so twenty five years later in Germany. Uh, hey, it's Myrno. He's here, and he looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, it's not even anything he said. I don't know about you guys. I just I just called piece of hit shit just when I looked at his suit. It's the pure red suit with black undershirt and the leopard and the matching the matching <laughs> leopard print necktie and cowboy boots. Yeah, it's definitely giving me douche vibes. <laughs> yeah. And hey, Melina's here, and they got married like they said they would. Okay, so, okay, they are cousins. 
He calls him brother a lot, but I do see one panel here where he is calling him cousin. I thought that was just, I just took that as like, uh, you know, like Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, hey, what's yeah, going brother. on, brother? Yeah, I, th I thought it was just like that. Like, you know, people just call each other bros, right? Okay. Yeah, but like there's between calling each other bros and saying, oh, my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I always thought this was his cousin in this story, but you you make a good point. It is very fucking confusing for one of them just to say brother panel the panel and then cousin literally the next panel, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So let's go with cousin. But yeah, so Melina's there and hey, they got married. Woo, great for them. Uh, his car broke down. He has to haul a freezer. So puts in the back of Segoy's truck with some shit-ass caviar. As Melina heads off with the tow truck to go home. And uh, Murno and Segoy head off to go deliver their things. We also get a single panel saying, hey, saying, hey, where's Oblivia? Ah, she's in Los Angeles. And that's all we get. Doing what? We'll tell you later. Now, did you say writing a book? Yeah, it's, where's Oblivia? She's in Los Angeles, period, writing a book, period. A single panel of her in a pendant, and then we never see her or hear her from her again for the rest of the story. But oh, it's okay. Story. But it's okay. We got a new girl. She's a punk rock chick who's paralyzed due to a pinched nerve. Yeah, they just find her on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a railway car uh, breaks and breaks and kind of like gums up the highway. Because remember when the story had a highway in it? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like it was supposed to be important. Yeah. But what's more important is the football hot dog mobile. Because Which... this, this thing looks like a fucking Oscar Mayer wiener. Yeah. Which I can still believe is a thing, because while the degree of um, obsession with football in this is a little insane, Germany is very obsessed with football. Well, the rest of the world is very obsessed with football. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't see Canada, like, destroying Toronto because they lost to the Spanish. I said the rest of the world. But yeah, so Tsukoi, uh drives them into the barricade as they uh, head off. Uh, and Murno, despite being married, fucks his girl in the back of Segoy's truck. You know, because why not just reinforce the fact that he's a piece of shit? Yeah. To quote her later in the story, I'm not a very good judge of character. At all. Yeah, she does not like Segoy. <laughs> Yes, they stop at a truck stop, uh, and we learn her backstory, where she's trying to go talk to a musician to get money for the operation to fix her, because she got trampled at one of his concerts. And as we all know, musicians, especially very famous ones, very good at holding themselves accountable. Yeah, and even better at uh, holding themselves accountable, probably middling ones that think they're more famous than they are. Yeah. In unrelated news, I am very conflicted about liking Dance Gavin Dance now. That's a topic for another time. Ass! There's just this woman, just to get in the bar, the first fucking person we focus on, aside from a dude in an SS shirt playing fucking 
Playing fucking... Yeah, it's the, sor- it's, it's the sorceress. Is it? Is it the sorceress? I thought it was somebody else. No, I assume it was... I'm pretty sure it's the sorceress, because I... there was a... Go ahead. There was a random blonde chick at the end who was saying uh, the blue-haired chick f- uh, fulfilled the White Wings' orders. So I just figured she was the sorceress yeah, in I... disguise again. Not gonna lie. Because all of her disguises have to be pointlessly sexy. Yeah, not gonna lie. For a while, I thought it was Melina who was here to just, like, try to fuck up Murno. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe um, the, 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 the Selvers daughter who had been missing for a long time and was no longer bound to her Russian shit. I thought maybe she would come back in some way. No. Yeah, grew her, head, grew her hair back out, got into bikes. I can see that chick getting into bikes. Absolutely. But yeah, so at this bar, there's actually that's kind of amazing to me. Like that, that's the one um, sonataism that's not in it is that there's no Pris stereotype. Which for those who have not watched Bubblegum Prices, Pris is the pop star slash uh, uh, biker chick slash Iron Man uh, female. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So Russian guys from the bar, uh, they're Russian mafia hitmen. There to do stuff. And one of them is also a neo-Nazi who believes Hitler was Russian. Yeah. And I, I then at that moment said, well, I'm glad um, stupidity knows no gender, creed, or country. Yep. As the bar is then immediately flooded by Russian sports fans because the TV on the bus went down. All singing the Russian football national anthem? You mean the German Oh, so yeah, the German football national anthem. Yeah, that's what was confusing me at first. Like, are we still talking about the Russians? No, yeah, I fucked that up. That was me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah just, they're just facing France. There's chanting Fußball uber alles. Which, yeah, certain European countries, I can believe that being their, their anthem. Yeah, and their lead guy, a man who charitably looks like Vic the Veep from The Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Segoy runs yeah, the. I was f- to say, like, is is even the de- depiction of the the dr- like the French are less cartoonishly displayed than the Germans? Yeah, the French just look like dudes. It would yeah. not surprise me in the slightest if the French team, like a couple of the members, were based off the fucking like people writing the book. Yeah, yeah well, um, uh, to reference a conversation you and I were having earlier, in reference to a co- question you had asked Caveman on a different podcast. Uh, Belgium as a country where the writer's originally from is half French and half German and half Dutch. So it would not surprise me if uh, the writer was from the more French parts of Belgium. Yeah. Yeah, so Zagoy and Murno get attacked by the football fans. It goes about as well as you'd expect. As they head out, we see we see the German team getting absolutely fucking clowned on. Yeah, and that's one of the few running gags I constantly liked in this is that they used awareness of the football game as the, of the football game as both a plot thread and a uh and just like a convenient escape. Yeah, it's Yeah, like they're using like literally the only reason this story is happening is because this football match is happening. Because because they're in Germany Everyone is fucking laser focused on the fucking football game. And so the cops are less likely to be out and doing things. That's why the that's why the Russian mob is here. That's why Murno's here. 
That's why Segoy's here. Yeah, that's why the cops are constantly distracted from their duties by listening to the soccer game, the football game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, turns out those Russian dudes, they were the ones who dumped the girl on the fucking side of the road. Mm-hmm. And they leave, the, and they all leave the bar, but not before Murno disables the bar's TV. Just to be an and asshole. That was, the, that was the only moment I kind of liked him as a character, because it wasn't, it, it would have been one thing for him to just cut the wire. It was another for him to grab the cable for the satellite wire and jump off the top of the bar using it as like a drop line. Yeah. <laughs> He then, immediately, he then immediately loses that goodwill by slapping the woman and just being like, shut the yeah, fuck up. We're no, not selling you weed. Stop asking people. I liked him exactly once. <laughs> yeah. He had exactly two panels of being likable. Ugh. As they get to the meeting spot where she's supposed to meet the band and the band is all dead. Yeah. No great loss. No great loss. And... How much plot significance? Why are they dead? Uh, just so they don't have to resolve that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to have another scene of a, of, a, of a woman going to see men that she trusted and being abused by them. <laughs> yeah, so uh, after finding the bodies, cops arrive. And like cops, they are very antsy to shoot people. Yeah. And they're about to discover the totally legit goods that uh, uh, Murno has in the back of his truck, at the back of Segoy's truck. And then the soccer game comes back, and the football game comes back on. Yep. Uh, France gets a penalty on Germany, so Germany gets a gets a penalty kick. And they fuck it up immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the guy they got to shoot the fucking kick is a goddamn idiot. You gotta love how they depict him though throwing the thumbs up like just before like, just yeah, like, yeah thumbs up and constantly upper teeth showing yeah oh gosh <laughs> yeah I wonder if that was like a, a specific soccer player in maybe. Germany at the time I don't know maybe yeah yeah I don't know man because I mean hey if this was done in modern times and you wanted to do a story about a horribly corrupt uh, multinational capitalist uh, organization. FIFA's a good target. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So this is so. A little bit later, it explains why those guys died, and I completely forgot about it because it was so non-consequential. Despite, right. Yeah. Wasn't it one of the the like just things happening to distract the cops while they cleared out the C three C for their for their main mission. The yeah, the Russian mafia was bringing in a bunch of money. They they were bringing like three trucks worth full of like, I think Deutschmarks. No, no, uh, no Euro dollars. Euro dollars, yeah. And because that's the that's the one way this plot plays into the next one. <laughs> yeah, as as yeah, they just bring in all these fucking trucks, uh, which then get held up in front of Casinopolis, a hotel. Designed to look like the robot woman from Metropolis, but with fucking tits. Yeah, I appreciated that joke. Yeah, with the with the crash being caused by that German bus again. And he's just like, ah, please tell me the tell me what's happening at the football match. Please, I need it. I need this. <laughs> and they head inside the bar. 
uh, where Murno immediately tries to begin schmoozing with the fucking uh, with the fucking like head of the Russian mafia for this section of the C3C. Which, yeah, nice of them to bring back the fucking centerpiece of their world this yeah, late. Yeah. Yeah. For a moment. For a moment. Uh, you know, I'd rather more soccer, but... <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Really? I thought you were a hockey fan. Not all <laughs> Canadians are hockey fans, Bertie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Biker woman shows up, uh, attacks the Russian mafia. Nice, nice pages of action there. I thought that they, they was, those are pretty cool. Those yeah, decent action. First thing, first thing, mildly impressive in this fucking issue. I like how she also, when she got flung off the bike, she fell ass forward in front of a guy's plate. Of well, food. yeah, she she flung her vagina into a guy's <laughs> face and then decked him for it. <laughs> yeah, she landed shoulder first in so his penis. It, it shuffled down to my turn to say the offensive thing again. Yeah, okay. she landed shoulder first in his pizza, then at then like tumbled ass first into his crotch, and he's like, "Oh, my food!" So she punches him in the fucking face. She's like, "Creep!" Yeah. How dare says you nothing. Stare? Says no dialogue anytime she's on. She's in panel. No, but like that's the that's the proper response there. She punches him for staring. Yeah, obviously, right? And then <laughs> and then while she is inside the bar, the sorceress shows up and steals the trucks. <laughs> so that wasn't the sorceress. Yeah, that's so just some who... woman. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Maybe she ditched. Sorry, Dad. Monster. I was giving. I was giving the. I was giving the story writing too much credit. <laughs> Like, the last time we see Biker Woman, she's punching that guy in the face. Yeah. But yeah, so two Russian guys, they're back, and they're going to kill our lead guys because they walked out of the bar where their boss murdered? Got murdered? I don't know. They're going to kill him because they're there. But then the, but then Wheelchair Girl comes back and kills the Russian assassins. Trucks get stolen. Drops off the girl who reveals going to be Rosalind. And Segway gives her the band's wallets because he stole them from their trailer. Yeah. I mean, he was he was probably, for the looks of it, he was either going to beat up. The, if those guys weren't dead, he was going to beat them up anyway. He was going to beat the piss out of them and take all their money anyway. <laughs> because he's the badass with the heart of gold. He plays the violin, you know. That shows he has a heart. Yeah, the. And then we get the reveal of what's in the fucking freezer. Mongolian body parts. Yeah, which, given the fact that they must have been taken out of the frozen bodies, thawed enough to be not frozen, and then put in the in the frozen refrigerator. Well, so. That's, that's a, that's a confusing thing. sequence of events. <laughs> these, I don't believe these are the body parts from the bodies up in the Arctic Temple. It said that's all the left of Mongolian rebels when the Chinese got a hold of them. Oh, okay. So again, another point's like, wait, the Chinese are uh, are bigger douchebags than the people we're actually seeing, but uh, no, no. Yeah, they're just, oh, they're just plot devices. Also worth noting, he actually has not had sex in this story. Yeah. Yeah, his cousin had sex, but he hasn't. No, yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the scientist is giving it to. He has a radio in his pocket that has the fucking football match going. Turns out this entire thing was a sting. <laughs> but don't worry. Germany lost. Sorry. One of the hey. teams in a football match lost. Thus a riot begins. That yeah. soccer is corrupted? <laughs> <laughs> well, soccer is corrupt. Hence FIFA. I, I know. But, yeah. That's that's the joke. <laughs> I'm aware of the corruption. <laughs> but yeah, so the cops the cops are on their ass. They almost run over a they almost run over a innocent Italian gentleman coming out of the back of his pizzeria. Like FIFA's so corrupt, even EA doesn't want to deal. We're with moving on from anymore. the FIFA jokes. <laughs> France wins. Germany freaks out. They use the they use the fucking they use the riot, the sports riot, to get away from the police. Yeah, no, they, no. The he unleashes a, a German mob on Germany. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally, yeah, he's literally just like, yeah. "Hey, Germany rules! Fuck the French! Fuck the cops too!" Throw some soccer hooligans at it. Oh yeah, there, bud. <laughs> it's one rockabilly-looking motherfucker with a baseball bat, just swinging at cops. But yeah, a bunch of the soccer hooligans get onto the star, and th- they're they're assuming that the truck's heading to the fucking like government capital so they can freak the fuck out about football. And then when it doesn't, they're like, what the shit, dude? So he pulls a gun on him. And kicks Murno out. Because, yeah, Murno's a piece of shit. Yeah, like, enough of a piece of a shit that even is like, I don't like the way you do things. So. Yeah, so he leaves him abandoned on the side of the C3C. And turns out he's not hauling shitty caviar, he's hauling drugs. <laughs> I am assuming. Or just something like he just the way he says is like, no, whoever said I was selling caviar? I'm just ha- hauling something for people who want to have a good time. And hey, France just won the World Cup. They probably want to have a good time. Yep. As we then move in to issue five. And actually, uh, one last thing on Germany before we move on. Speaking of like highway stuff, considering Germany has the autobahn, I'm so I'm shocked they didn't do anything with that. They forgot their own highway. Why would they forget about a? Why would they include a yeah, real highway? They were giving them too much credit there. <laughs> no, but like if, you, if you're if you're like I said, if your literal focus is highway culture, and you go right. to the country with the highways that have no speed limits, as long as you don't die. Yeah, it's entirely possible that like the autobahn just got folded into the C three C. Yeah, but it's just never even mentioned. So, never mentioned. You know. Yeah, so going on to issue five, the White Wing, and we begin in the fictional country of Turdistan. Not a great name. No, I know they were trying. They they were liberally going for a. No one believes this is. They might as well have just called it Fakistan. It would have been less offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Could have called it Madeupsburg. Fuck it. Man, here we see the sorceress. A uh, real name revealed to be Sasaya. Who's there to? Who's there at the birthplace of the White Wing? Yeah, to, to bring to bring back the demon's head. Yeah, along with her assistant Jimon Honsu. Ubu. What? 
Ubu. Dude, should should I know that? What that is? Is that his name? The henchman for Rachel Ghoul. Ah. Okay. I was going for the fact that he just looks almost exactly like Jamon Hansu. Well, that too, but like I was already making a demon's head joke, so that's why I mentioned Ubu. Yeah. Uh, so, cuts two weeks later, and there's a military thing happening. Red team and a blue team. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Fakistan is corrupt. Who would have guessed? Yeah. And there's a dude just up on a hill just laughing at him, just smoking hashish. Yeah. He's got a hookah just like, these fucking idiots. Hey, speaking of fucking idiots, hey, Sequoia's here. Driving dick first into a fucking minefield. Yeah, and he's just kind of annoyed about it. <laughs> yeah, and he apparently grew more chin. Yeah, he just keeps getting bigger. That's why he's out. That's why he says he's out of cash, so he can't afford repairs. He, he spends it all on the chin implants. <laughs> he wants to be the crimson chin. Yeah, they also they also bust out his new catchphrase that we hear this time and never again. He uses, he uses his nickname, which I will not be using, but he says, and Sagoy, no likey. <laughs> because he's Sagoy a child. Smash. <laughs> yeah. Unga bunga, Sagoy, no likey, boom, boom. <laughs> oh, and also his truck talks to him. Yeah, it's apparently that futuristic. <laughs> yeah, again. It's like onboard AI. <laughs> not like. Not like, you know, sophisticated, but it's like voice activated fucking like GPS technology. And then also a, and then also a thing that diagnostic, yeah, onboard diagnostic with estimating with repair cost estimation. That's helpful. Again, never brought up. Yeah. And he's next to hookah man who offers him some tea, some hookah and a place to sleep. As he apparently tells Sagoy his story, but we don't get to hear it. Because it's literally, it's literally, you see, without me, Al-Dazir wouldn't exist. So I sometimes ask myself if it was all worth it. And that is my story. Yeah, and then it's like daylight and the background, the sun's coming up. Yeah, the sun's coming up and Sagoy is just going to sleep now and saying it's still tonight. Yeah, I feel like that should have had a a One Punch Man joke. (laughs) (laughs) Like when Saitama's like, I didn't ask for your backstory, dude. (laughs) Yeah, give me it in 20 words or less. But hard cut from there to Oblivia. Hey, she's here. Oblivia, ace reporter. Yep, completely poorly dressed for being in a Middle Eastern climate. In a Middle Eastern culture. Yeah. Just tank top tied off of the high off the midriff, short shorts, all exposed skin, completely in the Middle Eastern sun. But yeah, she's talking to a woman uh, trying to get information about the white wing. And she gets some. It's all largely fake because, it, hey, it turns out it's the sorcerer she's talking to. Yeah, I I I liked that. Um, 
like when when Segoy walks back up after their conversation though like when the, and he's speaking to hookah man and uh and he tells them he's like are you oh are you, are you going to a wedding because of his get up like yeah and he's just in like the just like pristine white suit clean shaven little reading glasses this is yeah, this is this, this is actually Segoy. <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite parts in the book. Actually, this part, like, I don't know. I enjoyed this little him trying to act sophisticated. It kind of like it was a different. Well, it helps when you find out character. later. He it, it finds out later. It's funny when later when you find out he's been reading a intelligent conversation for right. Dummy's book on the way. Right, over. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel this is a different side of this character we haven't really seen. Like he's kind of like playful a little bit at this point, right? And like you, this you know, uh, this chapter is very Indiana Jones. Well, this this is probably my favorite story to be honest with you in the book. Is this one? I like this one. I agree with you in that sense. It is kind of like in, it's very much more adventurous and less bleak. I found than some of the other stuff in here. Yeah, personally, I enjoy the bleak. I did too. But, but like, like yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't mean like I enjoyed the bleak of this. I mean, I enjoy bleak in general. Yeah, yeah. It's why it's why he prefers the mask comics to the mask movie. So a little bit. I still love the mask movie, but. Yeah. Totally, no, I totally. That. I enjoy the comic more. Story wise, the movie is better. Is that was that your big gripe with this this second half though? Because the tones all over the place compared to the first half. The tones all over the like... fucking place. Like Segoy is turning into more and more of like fucking the Johnny Bravo looking motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going on. I don't know. I just thought it was it was kind of it was a nice change of pace. This story. Yeah, I felt the like art. It, is, I didn't. Really... The art's yeah, a lot. The art's not as good. The art's a lot cleaner. Yeah, I, I that I don't love. Yeah, that, that's that, that's my issue with like it's cleaner. It's a lot more like vibrant and like exaggerated. So because like every woman's like a fucking beautiful pinup model, then Segoy's there fucking like Johnny Brick Dick or whatever. Yeah, and then I you mean, get that. They get the first thing, and he's still kind of Johnny Brick Dick, but he's a lot more like. Yeah, it's like going from Fire Punch to a Shonen manga. Well, Ooh. it's like um, I like Fire Punch. I <laughs> Fire Punch is good. Yeah. And the, first, know, the beginning it, of the story does kind of have a bit of like a more. Oh, yes. Yes. Compared to the end. Yeah. It's fucking dark. <laughs> the start of that book. But yeah, but it's also, yeah. but it'd be like, um, uh, what's one of my favorite Western comics jokes? Uh, the, the Watchmen Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Nico, have you seen that? No, I don't think so. We'll talk about that later. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Segoy ends up at a hotel and goes and goes immediately to a woman in a black evening dress that feels entirely out of place for being in the for being in the lobby of a motel. Yeah, but makes sense if you're going for a Bond theme. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out this woman is uh Oblivia's editor. And that Oblivia has released a series of very popular books about her journeys with Segoy. Where she painted Segoy as Unga Bunga Cave Brain. <laughs> but it seems they have a lot, but they seem to have a much better relationship as like she is happy to see him. They have like jokes and banter and they seem to like genuinely enjoy being around each other. Well, it'd be nice if we saw any of that develop at all. 
You fucks. Yeah, this is the this is the last time they talk to each other when she's not in a drugged out stupor for this comic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we also this is also where we get the reveal of the one hundred tons of dollars. Which I guess you I guess you can technically count money in weight. <laughs> and not like denomination. Sure. Yeah. Because 100 tons of $1 bills is a very different amount of money than 100 tons of $100 bills. Very much so. <laughs> but yeah, and so uh, Oblivia talks to uh, talks to Segoy about, about her new book, about the White Wing, learning that the sorceress got promoted. And then we cut over the sorceress who makes a man slit his own throat to kind of prove the point of the white wing. Did she do it just because like he's loyal or because she had like mind powers over him? I'm not a hundred percent on that. No, me neither. Seems to be an ongoing theme in this book. Yeah. Just kind of not explaining things very well. But yeah, and so Segoy and the editor fuck, as they are wont to do, and Oblivia is very miffed about it. But don't worry, she gets immediately kidnapped. <laughs> In spite of, while finding a very good lead, like, for a, for a fucking, like, secret society organization of, like, magic assassins, some dude in the market just has pictures. Yeah, and also, like, the whole reason she's kidnapped and not immediately killed is the the, uh, the sorceress is like, tell me all of your sources. Like, for, for the looks of it, sweetheart, you guys really suck at, like, this whole secret society thing, so you might want to talk to someone other than just her. Yeah. <laughs> My source was this random guy who who had pictures of you hanging in his shop. Not even in frames, just loose photos on, like, clothesline. But, yeah. So we also learn that, hey, the White Wing has people in the fucking uh, Turdistan government. Because, of course, they do. Yeah, because if I had to guess which, given the time period, which Middle Eastern leader they're trying to make fun of here, Saddam. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so she gets yeah, so Oblivion gets kidnapped. Uh, editor goes to grab Sagoy, who is in a barber shop made entirely of white wing people. Yeah, and he still punches his way out. Yeah, mid Yeah, my favorite line of um this is when he gets out and runs into the um uh the editor. And she's like, is that soap? He's like, no, sh- pure frothing rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so they just start fucking jumping down buildings. And at some point, Segoy's shirt gets ripped open. Meanwhile, Hookah Man, whose name is uh, Lamy, is just trying to get his damn pension. <laughs> yeah, I... This is this is um I call it the Ashley Williams joke. 
Because it's like, no, no, give me just this one thing, and I'll fuck off. Leave me alone. Yeah. And then, and then the woman's just like, fuck off, dude. I'm talking on the phone. Which, sadly, is very believable. <laughs> yeah. And we also see the, uh, we also see the uh, white wing aligned uh, military general open doors, just throwing around money, literally. Might make it rain. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of bros just fucking popping bottles in the fucking government yeah. office. They're about to get the hashish and uh, dancers out. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> Bring in the hookers. It's time to fuck. Yeah. Oh, so these are the guys who stole 50 Cent's skull. <laughs> Where my skull? <laughs> hey, what's the goal? Hit that big ass ramp. I am so glad you made a reference to fucking Blood in the Sand. Oh, the video game. Jesus, I haven't thought about that in forever. We're already talking about a ludicrous take on the Middle East anyway. I might as well reference. Listen, where my skull at? If G Unit was just like rolling through the <laughs> rolling through this book, it'd be that much better. Yeah. Sadly, they're not. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but they do fall into a men's bath. Uh, so going the editor just plummet tit first into a bath. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love how she popped out of that water. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they immediately get attacked by everybody in the bath. Yep. Before heading outside and just getting a quick makeout in. You know. Yeah. Sister's been kidnapped. Might as well. This is trying to turn into romancing the stone almost, yeah. but <laughs> that that's still that one panel is, is basically out of yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a shame because my my thinking this whole se- as I was watching this scene is given how she looks now she's dressed is like, man, I want some more danger, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Scott Campbell drew more than a fucking cover a year. It'd be well, yes, be... but but. But for some reason, I don't understand. Just random so- brief side tangent. They're tr- apparently trying to make a Danger Girl movie. What? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a waste. That's a complete waste. Yeah. Like I love Danger Girl as much as the next guy. She don't need a movie. Yeah. No. She doesn't have enough meat for a movie. She barely yeah, has enough meat for the comic books to put out. Well, uh, exactly. I don't even feel they can find women representative of what the girls in that book look like. <laughs> oh, no, and that would just piss off way too many people. Yeah. It's like, we need, anyway. we're, we're casting for the live-action Danger Girl. Oh, are you now? Then <laughs> all of a sudden, Hive explodes. Yeah, exactly. Which is apparently oh, the geez. new Twitter or fucking whatever. Oh. I'm going to wait until Twitter officially crashes and burns before I move. Not out of loyalty to the platform, but out of laziness. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 the only reason I still am on Twitter is to annoy Snyder fans. God. <laughs> I didn't expect it, that to like hurt dead. <laughs> anyway, hey, they, ca- they catch up to the car and Sequoia hooks onto it. And this woman, who's an editor, who's shown no signs of any kind of martial anything, hops on a horse and just elbows a cop off of it and runs away. I I don't know, man. Segoy gets ragdolled and dumped in the wood and dumped in the fucking side of the road. About to kill him. About he's to still be- got the, he still got the clothing hook. 
Yeah, he still got the clothing. He still got the meat hook. Because he got it from a butcher, like a like like a meat rack. Still got the, still got the meat hook. So gets dumped over onto the side of the road, about to be shot. But then, hey, the hey editor shows up. Oh yeah, but it's okay. Segway wasn't hurt. He was just he was just having blood for flavor. Yeah, I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, and so. Uh, Getting on the horse, killing some more cops. They head out to try to, to try to find uh, the to try to find the birthplace of the White Wing, which is what Oblivia was out here to find. Meanwhile, Lamy is getting ready to fuck some bitches up. Man went man went to just get his pension. Now he's going home getting pissed. And yeah, so. I don't get this whole thing. So the sorceress cuts Oblivious throat. Okay, well that was um that was illusion. Like I get the impression that she started drugging her the moment she drank from that cup and so the whole she mind she might have in real life mimed cutting her, but that was just to like sink her further into the illusion. I is are they actually magic? I don't know. That's another one of those vaguely explained things. <sighs> okay, we should probably just... Yeah, so, turns out that White Wing General, they knew he was a White Wing guy, and they just didn't do anything about it. So, Lamy gets dressed up, gets his gun, gets his sword, and goes to fuck shit up. Back at the truck, at the star, Stagoy goes full Snake Plissken and rides off into the sunset, leaving his Goyle with his truck. I, I, <laughs> Why is she here? Why is she have a part in this story? She, I don't get it. Is it just, is it, ju it's just sex, right? Yeah, pretty Basically, much. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Christ. <laughs> Meanwhile, Deja Thoris is hanging out with Oblivia. <laughs> hey, Ivan's there. Remember Ivan? That guy who died 13 years ago? And apparently she hasn't had a better fuck since? I do not get it. Yeah, that's surprising. Yep, and we got some backstory on Sorceress. It's not important. Lami walks in, caps motherfucker in the middle of the, the middle of the fucking uh, government building, and it says, "Tell the president to call me." Fuck off. And then the White Wing have a pissing contest. There's all that pee again. Yep, it goes poorly for them and Segoy because he's under them. <laughs> I like how he just starts shooting off a of shock. <laughs> yeah. And then we see in one of the close-up panels him just drenched in piss. Because <laughs> like seven dudes pissed on him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly shocked he didn't shoot off any of their dicks. Maybe just too far away to be accurate. Yeah, shotguns. Not exactly known for accuracy at range. 
They only like Darius only likes drawing tits, Birdie, not dicks. <laughs> yeah, he only draws outlines of dicks. He puts effort into the tits. But yeah, so the White Wing attack Lamy. But don't worry, he has a tank. Uh, Segoy gets into a knife fight with Jamon Hansu. Goes about as well as a knife fight with Segoy usually goes. Where Segoy wins and Oblivia sees him as Aladdin, I guess. Just full yeah, on, whatever. <laughs> you just full on Prince Ali. Uh, the tank saves the day, fighting, destroying the money. They all get away. Fucking, fucking Lamy gets his pension. Sorceress gets away. Segoy goes back disguise. on the yeah, yeah, using the same disguise she she got to Oblivia in the first place with. Yep, Oblivia, Ace Reporter. Nothing suspicious about this at all. And then Segoy goes back on the road doing his old trucker thing that's supposed to be a fucking linchpin of the story or something kind of thing of like, hey, we're back. We're back where we're supposed to be out on the road getting into fucking bar fights and shit. It means nothing because the story has no consistency. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's kind of at the worst in the last story. Yep, as we get into that. Where we have a uh, a pandemic born from uh, somewhere de- uh, deep in the jungle, spreading to the farther further world, leading to quarantines and isolation, and vaccines to deal with ever changing variants. The story is written nineteen from dead. This was yeah, this was written thirty years ago. <laughs> yep. So moving on to issue six, Aztec laughter. When I first read this first page, when I first when I first read the opening of this issue, I laughed out loud and stopped reading for like three hours. Because <laughs> hey, it's That's kind fair. of a zombie story. Yeah, and not like not like not a living dead zombie like the crazies zombie yeah. story. Yeah, the crazies are like twenty eight days later. It's there's a pandemic going around called Aztec laughter, where if you get infected with it, it, it yeah. According to this thing, it spreads like the flu or like a common cold, but also through bites. And if you get it, five percent of the population has a chance to go into homicidal rage, while your face is contorted into a big old smiling grin. Keep in mind when I say five percent of the population, I mean literally every person they show being infected. <laughs> You're saying this artist drew a Batman story. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? Can you yeah. guess who the bad guy was in it? No. Yeah, it was Firefly. Penguin? Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, in the in the remote, I guess, Spanish nation of Parador? It's some, uh, so I would assume somewhere in Central America. Okay, Central America. But yeah, in Parador, uh, it's this dude running... It's this dude running a fucking lab to make newer and better versions of this virus, the Aztec virus, while also putting out a while also putting out new and updated versions of the of the vaccine for it, because they're trying to make a fuckload of money. You know, 
whatever. There's no connection yeah. to real life. Don't worry about it. And okay, I'm okay. I what the fuck is this supposed to mean? Because after the initial outbreak at the fucking fair, because that's what it is. It's a, it's two it's two girls of the night at a fair being like, "Hey, where's your fucking cousin?" I don't know. She just got off the boat. Where'd you come from? I don't know. Parador. Oh shit! She got the fucking Aztec laughter. She like yeets a dude off a fucking uh roller coaster bites a goddamn other guy and he goes crazy gets gunned down by the police and then after all that happens we just see her sitting on a bench totally fine not a goddamn thing wrong with her what does that mean did she have the vaccine uh, what did she just come down from it what well, the fuck I mean, happened? It, it, based on what happened in a later scene with the blonde chick i'm assuming that it that the homicidal rage comes in fits and spurts it's not con- it's not continuous but also a bit later, we see like, like we'll, we'll get there, but oh, fuck. Yeah. I no, do not no, like this. Yeah, I almost like, like I, I almost don't think the story is worth talking about in this one because it's just, it's a truck drive to some liver supplies. Oh no, there's a conspiracy involving this vaccine. Oh no, native people are abused by wider Western powers and corrupt governments that co- coexist with them. Okay. Yeah. And Segoy's a folk hero. <laughs> yeah, Segoy's the road warrior now. Just he's gone full Chad mode. <laughs> and yeah, there's it's Yeah. Another hot blonde chick um shows him her tits to say, Hey, if you stop being a dick, you can have these. And he's like, I, I, I might be into that, but I kind of like being a dick. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that does happen. <laughs> teases him. Yeah, and then there's like this Aztec temple that's like, that like has a real fascination with the folk hero Sabo, who's saying, it's like, hey, that's my cousin. He's here in America being a truck driver. But it turns out Sabo is just a, it's just a like, it's just a Hispanic. It's just a Hispanic uh, generic knockoff of a of a Western brand. <laughs> yeah, it's a bootleg of his story. Yeah, because Oblivia, the book she wrote that she got famous for, was just the first three books of this book. Yeah, yeah. Issues one, two, and three are the books she got famous for, and they got translated into Sabo in uh fucking in fucking Spanish in, in Central and South America. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do they speak Spanish down there? Yes. Again, I am not a worldly person. I don't know a whole lot about Central and the South old, America. The only country whose major language is not Spanish in Central and South America that's not a, like a native language is Portuguese in Brazil. Okay. Man, there's one lady who's like, hey, the elder said when you meet this comic book character in real life, you're going you to fall in love with them and fuck them. And I don't know how old this girl is, so I don't know how weirded out by the section yeah, let's just be. move on from this it's it 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 happens yeah whatever i'm much more happy when he just randomly decides at the last page is like hey i saw a hot uh exotic dancer just like she's there for the day of the dead let me fuck her <laughs> yeah and that comes immediately after a i guess sweet moment where it's some fucking girl from one of the villages that had the laughter problem he takes her mask off there and it's like, oh god, she's sad. But he takes her mask off here and she's happy. 
Yeah. I. Yeah. Again, the story is all over the place, unfocused, talks about stuff, but no follow through, so it feels meaningless. It's just whether or not you enjoy what you're reading visually, which for the most part I did, but I fully agree the story is a mess. <laughs> the story yeah, is a fucking mess. And upon just talking about this second half, I thought the second half was what I liked more, but I think it was just that one story that was sandwiched in between the other two that we spoke about previous to this one that I really enjoyed. Because I think I like a lot more of the concept and art stuff from the actual set of three stories more than I did the second half. While at the start of this, prior to talking about it, I thought I liked the second half more. So I, I just think it was maybe like the way it was written more so that I liked it, but the stories aren't as great i feel like in the second half as the first half it feels like now this is probably a hundred percent wrong because 90s comics especially like foreign 90s comics probably didn't do this it feels like he got it the, the people writing us got a limited series order for six issues wrote a story for six issues realized they were bored with it squished it down to three and then wrote three other stories they wanted to for the last three issues so, so that's possible, but to your point, I think what really actually had happened, like this is what I thought when I was reading it, because there was definitely a tonal shift after um, those that first three compared to the next three. It was I just thought that maybe this caught on to more American audiences, and they felt that they had to change it to maybe appease what like they thought where we were looking for maybe in this these comics or the tone overall, right? But from because, what I can like, tell, this didn't see publication in America until after it stopped publishing. Because the the in the start of this book, there was an intro by another artist who said that he did come across it in the in the '90s, but I guess it was the European version that he came across at that time. So yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know why else. Like maybe maybe what you said is right. I just don't know why else they would change so drastically. But like you said, maybe they just got bored and they're just like, let's do this. Let's so do this. dramatically, and I yeah, I don't get it because like that beginning section, the first three issues. You take that, you flesh it out, you give it room to breathe and fucking care about it. That's a six issue story, no problem. Yeah. But then yeah, you no, crush that, it down to three, yeah. you miss a lot of breathing room you need to like put in like actual context and explaining your world and building your world and then just go, hey, you know that thing we did before? Fuck that noise. We got a we got a cleaner color palette and cleaner inker going. Let's fucking rip this shit going, boys. Yeah, it's time for the road warrior, baby. Going for it, it really it's a it's a missed opportunity, if anything, I would say. And and like Birdie said, like if it wasn't for the visuals, although while the style changed a bit in the second half, I still quite enjoyed it, even though it was a little bit more cleaner. I did I I did like the first half's art more. Yeah, um, like I yeah, enjoyed it, the artwork in the second half, but comparatively. No, I agree with you. I, I I agree. Yeah, I agree. The first half is better in terms of the art. Uh, I I do. I will say though, I do like the White Wing story in the middle of the other two. I do. I I find that when you said like the it, it was Birdie or someone said the tone was like, or if it was you, they did more like Indiana Jones like, adventurous type. Yeah, I that's what I dug about that story. Like I oh, thought no, that it, was like a fun aside from everything we had gotten prior to that. It, and it was, but yeah. It was. I'm like, of the back half, that's my favorite issue. Yes, same here. And if same that here. had been the tone and the setup, just, 
hey, here is Segoy going to do a delivery thing and then ending up falling fucking truck first into whatever local shenanigans is going wrong before trundling off to the next place like a Romani littlest hobo. Yeah, or used them all to like tie into like the politics of the C3C. But Yeah, or like yeah, like make the C3C a foundational part of your world. Yeah. No, I I think we hit the hit on that early on in in our conversations here covering this book. I the fact that from the start of this of that first story, they introduced this awesome concept and never flesh it out. Like never it, it's, flesh it's, it out, never really capitalize on it. Yeah, it's such a shame. Yeah. Like uh, it's yeah, such a like, roused hour. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so that was the book we read. Yeah. Um more we had more to say about it than I thought we would. Yeah, it's fine to look at. Not a lot else to it. Well, it's it's interesting. It's 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 an interesting discussion of like a what could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think the big takeaway is that missed opportunity. But I, I feel like, you know, and I and I sell off a lot of books to the used bookstore and stuff after I read it if I feel like it's not something I'll ever revisit. But overall, I feel like I enjoyed the experience going over this. And, and, and like I said, I'll keep it on my shelf just based on the artwork uh, on this one personally. But um, but yeah, I could see it, you know, at some some point you know, me getting rid of it. It's just that it's not memorable. I don't feel I'm going to reread it again. I might just look at the artwork. Yeah. But it, yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame just because I, I think it's, uh, it had, had a lot of potential. It could have been a lot, a lot better than it was, but it, it was fine. I enjoyed the experience of reading it though. I don't think it was terrible. We, I've read some bad no. things. You know, this, <laughs> this wasn't, this wasn't awful. We have all read worse shit and talked about it on the site. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is a very, very solid, like two and a half out of five. Mm, yeah, I would say maybe I'd go three. up to a three. Yeah, yeah. Y'all yeah. are more generous than I. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like based on our conversation tonight, it just seems like the story stuff bothered you a lot more than it bothered either of us. But uh... yeah, just the hard gear shift into an entirely other genre. <laughs> I, I agree with you, though, to your point. If the whole book was the, like the first half, I would have enjoyed it more for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, those other two stories really kind of and the end of the first three was was, I think, the worst. And the fact but, that yeah, Aztec laughter is the end of. Right. I, I wonder if there's supposed to be more because this like they haven't made any in like a long time. And it's in like, like 30 years active. Yeah, these people are still active, though. I don't see why they would, if this was such a popular property in Europe, as they've stated. Maybe they, they just genuinely got bored with it. Yeah, yeah, maybe they got bored with it. Maybe uh, it's just we'll get to it eventually, you know, like a la Terry, the Dodsons and Red One. Right. <laughs> Issue three is coming any day now, I guess. <laughs> if if they say so. Uh, but yeah, so that's going to do it for this week. Uh, hey, Birdie. Yeah. Call it heads or tails. Uh, what's that in Canadian? Heads or tails? <laughs> Moose tails. or heads? <laughs> tails. All right. Uh, we'll be back at some point in the near future. Probably, hopefully before the end of the year. Probably not. But we'll be back next time as we take a look at Colder.
Oh, that's the next one. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Are we going to be reading the paperback omnibus edition, which has all of Colder in it? I think we're just going to be doing the first Colder series. The first mini series? Okay. Because I know there's one that collects, I think, two, the two or three of them. But okay. So there's three one. stories, as I'm aware, because that's what I have. Okay. But... Yeah. So we're just going to be going with the first one. Just Colder, ass, uh, Colder, no subtitle. Awesome. Okay. I remember you talking about this fondly, I think, years ago. I really enjoyed it when I first read it. I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if it holds up now that I'm a lot more cynical. I like the artist a lot. That does yeah, it. Art is great. He's really good. Yeah, he's really good. I know that. So nice. But yeah, that's going to do for this episode. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back with Colder next time and other stuff that we're doing around here. Until all that, though, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. I'm Nico. We will see you guys next time. <laughs>